Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. Uncensored mind. I am AJ Orsini once again joined by Deceive mm-hmm. Dave. Yes. It is taco night here at the House of O. We having tacos. Sounds good. And speaking of tacos, I'm uh-huh. sore as hell. I've been fucking all day. Oh. Every, every, all day. Uh, when did the guy finish? I had some guy come in here and work on my restroom, my bathroom. Had to get some work done on the ceiling. Once he was done, it was one-way ticket to pound town. Mrs. O uh, is going to need some recuperative time because uh, the work doth, I doth put in the work today. That <laughs> is should, that why it's taco day or do you, are you actually have to? Well, I wanted to continue the trend through meal, you know, since oh, I've been playing. With, I got you. No, there no, you no. go. You got it. All right. We got it all figured out. It's like Pringles, man. Yeah. Once you once you pop, it gets all over the place. <laughs> it's it's it all over the place. It's, it's all over. It's a mess. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. We're not joking about this act. So anyway, we uh, we are having an amazing day here at the House of OU are coming mm. off the tail end of rest we were just talking oh about this last week you've been working yourself to the bone talk to me about about your rest finally got a day off as two days off two days to get off. so much done and by <laughs> 10 o'clock on both days i was pretty much dead i just <laughs> slept for like you know the three four hours after that and then it's just i hate naps i don't know how people take naps i can't in do day, them either because yeah, i'm yeah. done i just really i have no energy to yeah. do anything sleep is sleep that. it's a shutdown yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It was terrible. It felt like two wasted days, but whatever. We make the most of it. We are going to make the most of it. I believe the subject matter for today's show is going to both perk you up, kill mm. you inside, mm-hmm. and then hopefully perk you back up again. We're going to flow with this mm-hmm. one. It's we'll try go... to keep you down as much as possible. <laughs> we're going to go up. We're going to go down. We're going to go up. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking about a couple of things here on the show today that I've been dying to talk about. Well, two of them I've been dying to talk about. One, I kind of feel like I have to. So this is more like an obligatory discussion we'll be having sometime here in the morning, uh, in the middle here. We have to talk, finally, I'll get a chance on my own show to talk about this topic because my co-host here, Deceive Dave, you've done the binge. Mm, sat down yeah, and you've been unexpectedly. 
unexpectedly, you found the time. You got it right. in. Well, during one of those fucking miserably can't move because I'm groggy, right? Yeah. We got this fireplace in. We got this, uh, like, one of those TV stand fireplaces. Ooh, you just need Don't. a bearskin rug now. Oh, dude, good. Uh, listen, it's on the list. It's, it's on the list. <laughs> and we got a cool coffee table coming, but that stuff came, so I was too exhausted to do anything. I cannot so wait she... to go to your house. I've never, <laughs> yeah, I, I have never been to either. David's house uh, oh, where it's just Dave and his wife as opposed it, to Dave's house where all yeah. my other family members mooch well, off of him. To be fair, um, there was probably a time where you didn't think you'd ever say those words together. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. My, knew, my house, knew, wife, I, I don't know. I knew eventually at some point. Uh, well, I'm glad you believed. because. <laughs> well, I'll put it like knows. this. I believe more in house than wife. Because well, you, yes, no, but, but were, I mean, yeah. but that's what I mean, together. Yeah, together at the same time, yes, we're living in a different dimension now. Yes, right? yes, 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 but there's a lot but of things. But that's by you your gotta... own design. You were very vocal about the fact that you weren't interested in going down that path. So. Oh, no, 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 no. We should, we should tell people who know me that, yeah, this 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 one is uh, this was she's a surprise. here to stay. Yeah, this yeah, was yeah, a yeah, surprise yeah. to all, including him. Yeah, you guys know. I, anyone who knows me knows I don't. I don't waste my time with stuff like that unless I'm serious yeah, about it. And so. it's not the fact that she's sitting there next to him. He means it, folks. Mm-mm. No, no, this no. Is the Trust me. I get in a lot of trouble for a lot of shit that I say. Uh, <laughs> she's probably. I, I'm reluctant to look over because I know I'm talking about her. She's probably staring a hole in the side of my head. But I'm not, I'm not don't gonna. look to your left. Ain't doing it. <laughs> yeah, I said the same thing a few years ago. It's hard to shake this chick. She's still here. In my house. Hey, man, when you find a good one, you keep them. There you go. There you go. Speaking of good one, I have found a good one. Finally, something that has piqued my interest to high degree. To the point where I want the world to know I'm strongly considering reading again. Reading? Like words on paper? Yes, like words on paper. I'm contemplating it because what we're going to talk about here is Invincible. Invincible, mm-hmm. the series on Amazon Prime. You said you finally got a chance to sit down and watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't let me finish. So I was yeah. like dead on the couch, and she really wanted to build this thing. So she just went ham on her own and built it. She built it. She did a great job. It's there. It's good. It's nice and built. And uh, as I was laying there, I'm just too exhausted to do anything. I couldn't play games, nothing, dude. I'm just dead sitting there dozing off a little bit. And I was like, man, what can we- I need to put something on this TV? And I was like, oh, let me try this Invincible show. And then, what, eight hours later? Eight hours later. Yeah. And the funny thing is, too, I asked her not too long ago. I was like, hey, I got to watch the show. Do you want to watch it? And she's like, I don't know if I really want to, like, get into an anime right now. Because she's very particular with her anime. She'll have these moments where she'll watch, like, 250 episodes straight of an anime she knows of. And then right. then she just won't look at anime again for a while. So she was in this mode where she just really kind of didn't have an interest to watch it. Although she heard about it. And then I put the first two episodes on. And then eight hours later, we were at the end of it. So <laughs> there it goes. You got you to gotta tell me. Okay, first of all, let me ask you this. Did it give you anime vibes now that you've seen it? Because it's not technically um, an anime. Technically. So, uh, so it is. Okay. It, it is. Uh, it's just a different. All animes have different art styles. Right. Um, I am somewhat in favor of animes like this where it's not like a. It's not an. I don't know. I guess people, when they hear anime that don't watch it that often, think just younger looking girls with huge tits. 
Okay. And that You've sold me so far. Art and yes. um, no, there are other ones out there that aren't like that. The only thing that drew threw me off that took me a little while to get used to is that all I could see is Archer. Yes, so a little bit. Yes. So it felt like an anime, like it felt like a fan went and said, did one of those things, like if this show was an anime and made this, <laughs> like art style wise. Art style so, wise. Yes. So when I'm watching it and I'm looking at Nolan, all I can see is Archer. And the way his eyes look, the way he looks over, the way the animations go. So it took that was fucking with me a little bit. It took me a little while to like shake that. It took a while to get through that. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So I knew that it was a comic book, but to be honest with you, I had never read it. So I was like, all right, well, maybe this would be a good chance to finally do something in reverse. Usually when I see comic book related movies or shows, I've kind of already divulged into the into the comic series, this is kind of the reverse for me. I, I know that I came into this with no knowledge of any of these characters or any of the story or anything. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, by the end of this, I was kind of hooked. And to be honest with you right now on my hard drive sits every fucking comic book issue for this, for invincible. And I'm, and I'm ready <laughs> as, wow. as soon, as soon as I am done with everything school related, I, I am look, and I just found out I'm not working this summer. So I'm pumped. I'm gonna have some Whoa, free time. You actually got a summer off. I got my summer off. This I, I like a, like a real summer off. Well, I mean, I gotta take my kid to his shit. Sucker. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I'm not working this summer. No, you're not working, not and you working. don't have class. No, I I will I will have uh, two sports classes. I gotta go play softball and I gotta go play soccer. Other than that, no, I'm not really working. Oh, dude, we're gonna hang out so much this yes, year. So much. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. This summer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, no, I'm looking forward to it. But that's what I'm saying. I have a whole <laughs> list. And maybe yeah. next week I'll go over it because I got I'm gonna still adding to it. But I got a whole list of shit Ant wants to do this uh summer. Right. And I got uh, this is gonna be tremendous for me. And I got this shit on the list. I wanna read this fucking thing. This is gonna be awesome. My wife is working this summer, so I'll be childless and wifeless for so much of this, and I cannot fucking express to you how fucking excited I am about this upcoming summer. You made it, dude. <laughs> Success. You made it. Uh, yeah, but so but as far as this show, right, so Invincible, so it was a throwaway for me. I didn't really, I wasn't really, I don't know, that hyped about it. I wasn't on the hype train for it because, again, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I didn't uh, know too much about it. The ending to episode one, where Omni-Man takes out the Guardians, that was leaked on YouTube before they released the first three episodes. Oh, that's trash. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's the reason I watched. I was like, oh, uh-huh. this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is different. I, the way that it looked, and I was like, like you said, the art style and all this stuff, I said, oh, this is a different tone than I thought this was going to take. Right. Normally, I'm right there with you. I'm like, well, that's a very important scene. I don't know why they would just give that away before they. Re- well, it worked because it got me. Right. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. And like you said, like the whole, the whole episode, I was waiting for that fight. I was like, it's got to be here somewhere, right? Because it said it was in episode one, and then we find out that it ends with that. But is is that scene something that maybe hooked your wife or hooked you? Is that where you went? Okay, <clears throat> I want to see where this goes. Well, I didn't, 
I didn't know that that was going to happen. I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything about this right. at all when you told me to watch it. So I didn't, I didn't even know it was an anime. I thought Invincible this whole time was like a live action thing. So I right. didn't even know that that was the case. So when I went into it watching it, I'm uh, looking at the art style and everything. My my um, looking at the art style and everything like that. And uh, even she said she can't she can't stay in the art style. So I think right away she kind of was kind of throwing it away because there are some animes that she's interested in. She just cannot watch because of just the animations. Is this one of them that was kind of bugging her? So she was like, ah, fuck it. So she was more listening than she was watching. And um, I think that kind of worked to her benefit because as far as the art style goes, I'm not like a huge fan, but the story writing was uh, was pretty good. And the voice acting was really good too. There was yes. a lot of really good voice acting in this. But when I saw that scene, it was raw. Like I didn't expect that. I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. So when they all got buzzed in and they went there and then he came out of nowhere and tried to snuff the dude, dodged it, and then it just went nuts after that. I'm like, oh, Okay, but that scene did give something away from me, again, from someone who knew nothing about this show at all. After that scene, and then I think there was one more scene a little bit later on, when I saw those two, I instantly put together what the ending was going to look like of, the, of, the, of this season. Okay. So it, it was a giveaway for me, for what that did uh, for me when I first But you still But it did hook me, for sure. But you still, enjoy- even though we gave it away to you, you still enjoyed the ride. Well, right. Like it wasn't like an actual spoiler. That's me watching and then putting things together in my own head. So that didn't ruin it for me. I, ju- I just was right. That's all. But the fight <laughs> scene, I'm like, okay, this is, this is going to be one of those. Like there's going to be blood, guts, decapitations, like all kinds of stuff yeah, in this. We saw all story. kinds of weird shit I'm with here. It. I'm with it. Chest oh, one of the most gruesome. Like whoever thought of that one scene, it might need to be put in jail. That was fucked up. The last one, right? The one with the train. Yes, I told you. I told you before Ooh. you saw it. I said that scene. I didn't tell you exactly what scene it was. I didn't want to give it away, but I said there were people who literally were claiming they were suffering PTSD from watching that. Dude, show. that just like I watched. So I watched it the first time. And I saw, I'm sitting there, my brain's trying to register what's happening. So then I rewound it and played it again. And I watched it and I like put myself in like his position where he's being held there and everything is running into him so fast that just exploding. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it. And I was like, yo, whoever came up with that shit is a sick (laughs) fuck. He is sick. <laughs> Whoever imagined that and then yeah. put it on a piece of paper needs to be locked up. Well, the writers were asked about that scene, and they actually said they don't want to talk about it. They said, they was like, no, we don't discuss that scene. And they were like, we don't mean to be disrespectful to the people who are here for the... Because there was like fans asking questions. Like, we don't want to be disrespectful. But at the same time, you guys have no idea how dark it had to get in that room to get to that. Right. And we went darker than that. That was the that was the level where they were Amazon. That's was, where they drew the line. That's where Amazon drew the line. The that train scene is where that was the middle ground. Oh, you know what's crazy? Like, I just realized I watched that. it on Prime. Yes, uh, that's is, nuts. That Amazon let that slide. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, that the was imagery behind yeah. that is not just insane. yeah. If you, if you're watching the whole episode and you hear the things that Nolan is saying leading up to that scene, just the way that he 
feels about the human race and the way that the Vitriums, the way that they uh, take over planets and they, because they're kind of fantasizing things, right? Like they're, we're doing it for the betterment of that civilization, right? Like this right. Is, we're trying to maintain order and, you know, all this different stuff. And he's trying to explain to Mark that he shouldn't be as emotional as he is because, you know, and at the end of the day, these things are just playthings. You know, these things are going to die while we're still alive, like thousands of years. They literally mean nothing. And villains say that thing all the time. This was the first time, I think, visually, where someone said, we're going to show you how meaningless humanity really is. Watch this. And right. I was like, God damn. My wife was watching it with me, and she, She's watching it, and as she's watching, I think she was going through the same thing you described because she's looking at it, and she goes, what the fuck am I watching right now? Right. I had to watch it multiple like, times. The, really I don't, think, like she could, I don't think she could have stomached more than once. Oh, wow. She, okay. she saw it, and she goes, I, I enjoy this show. I can't wait for season two. I will never watch that episode ever again. It, it was, <laughs> it was It's fucked it, up. Like, it didn't hit me like that. Like, I wasn't grossed out or anything, which is probably a comment how fucked up I am, I guess. My so desensitized. Like, I, I, my thing was just, like, I felt I felt worse for him. Right. Than I, like, than I the actual, like, for. the ideology of the scene. Like, my brain went straight to, holy fuck, yeah, it's sick that all these people are dying, but... He has to witness this. There's yeah, like, and he's will. the reason why it's happening because they're running into him. Ah, so it's it's just nuts, dude. That shit was nuts. <laughs> that whole shit was. That whole scene up. was insane. They're crazy that they came up with some shit like that. How do you feel about the way that they've explored? These are different powers than we're used to seeing. Right. This is not just super strength and flight. This is oh, I age in reverse or. Or my personal favorite, duplicate, because you're like, it, as a comic book reader, every single time I've ever seen a a woman who can multiply herself, I'm like, bro, that sounds like a lot of fun. But that's my decrepit head. Apparently, the writers have a similar sense because yeah, they're like, of course, what's the first thing game. we would do if we had a hot chick who could duplicate? Oh, that's right, fuck all of them. Absolutely. Not only fuck all of them, but I love the twist of the fact that they weren't like duplicates in the sense of holographic or mystical like when these duplicates got attacked they bled they were cut in they're, half they they're were originals yeah they're like they're real copies they're real of, things of yeah like they're, they're screaming in fucking agony as they're getting torn apart right but i need to see more of that lion dude by the way oh dude he's gonna be a big part that guy I, was too I, nasty he was he was he fucking was everybody way too nasty to not be a big <laughs> part of that show but they had to show how strong this guy was but so it was the point smart he's just like Yo, this dude smashed too much his of chest and then bathed in the shower of his blood and then was like, yo, you guys are beneath me. And then he just dipped. Just like this thing of busted everyone's ass at once and then He's bounced like, yo, from he boredom. Was mad. So I cannot wait. And I'm saying it here. I cannot wait between the fight of him and Nolan. It's oh, going to no. happen. That's what they're sizing up. A guy who just needs a challenge. <laughs> And there ain't nobody else that's a better challenge than Nolan, so we'll see how God that spins. Damn. God damn. That's gonna happen, and it's gonna be it's gonna be one of the ending fights. I'm telling you that that clash between those two, the way they built it, yeah, is gonna be pretty big. Jesus Christ! Uh, what are your uh, what was gonna ask? What are the biggest topics that came from this show? And since you've seen it now to fruition, there was a 
big trend going during the mm-hmm. course of the time that you hadn't seen it yet, so I saved it. But there was a lot of people throughout the course of the show that was the trends. The trend for this show was based on the two characters. You were either Team Amber or Team Eve. Oh, my God. And I... I am t- fuck Amber, <laughs> fuck everything about that bitch. I was no, like, no, I'm no, with no. you. I'm with you with that. By but default, that, but, I, but I've been Eve. very vocal with those types of characters in these type of situations. Nah, like that's where they were losing me with her. What the? Oh, why are you late? And I was cool with it. I was cool with it all the way until when he finally revealed it, and she was like, "Yeah, I knew already." Time out. So you mean to tell me you knew I was saving people's lives and you're getting mad that I stood you up for dinner? Word. No, you're done. I'm you're done with that character. You're a fucking idiot. She you got mad when me. they were on the college campus and the robot showed up and he dipped to turn into Invincible and save them. It's like you knew that I was Invincible this whole time. I didn't even think about that. She and you sh- got mad oh about that the makes fact. even more mad. Yeah, because she was like, you left us. But if you know that I'm Invincible, then you know I didn't leave you. I came right. back and fought and killed I, them. I fucking hate I do not know that why people me write nuts. shows like this. And maybe it's a formula that I don't understand. And that's fine. And Because uh, there's got to be something, right? They put one of these in every single one of these type of shows. But... Uh, yeah, I could. I can't stand her at all. Maybe like the twisted love interest type scenario where it's just like, hey, he needs something at home fucking with him too, being a superhero and battling uh, these I, idiots. I guess you got to make it make sense. Cause Maybe it, it adds he, realism, right? Because a superhero in real life know. would have girl problems. I don't know. Uh, and Adam Eve, I hate that fucking name. That shit is so <laughs> stupid. I don't, I don't understand her Adam power. Eve. She just... I don't understand. She has She's Magneto then, to everything. That's what it appears to be. Yeah, she just manipulates she can whatever manipulate, she wants. She can manipulate atoms. Exactly, in everything. So that she just literally she just OP. She's God at this point. That's why her name's Adam Eve. No, oh, she's the she's the, I didn't just put that together in my brain. Yeah, the the alpha and the omega here that maybe she should fight fucking Nolan then. Well, she's underdeveloped. You got to give her a chance. Her character's oh, not all the way there she yet. Has, her period hasn't come yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. She'll get there. She'll get there. I love the... I love the. Don't you even love mom? Yeah, I do. I love mom. She's cool. You know, it's like a like a pet. You know, she, she's all right. It's like, God damn, bro. And, they had, that, and they had that bitch on the headset, too. She was just, oh, no. She's eating all of that. She heard all the words. Oh my god, she's like a pet to me. You know, I got a fondness for her. I'm like, god damn, Fido. So, question: How do you feel? So, when I saw that scene where he killed the the guardians, right, and then later on he talked to his son about who he was, right. I then already put together that he's not a superhero. He's only there to refrain from other people conquering it. He, he's not killing villains because he wants the betterment of Earth. He's killing it to protect it, to preserve it, so that he then can conquer it. Right. When That's what I put right, together yeah. in my brain right. when I saw that. That's what he explained. Later on. Yes. yes. Yes, yes. But I'm talking about the early scene when he first told his son about when he was a little kid when they were on the roof and he was telling him about his planet. And where he's from, and that he will eventually get powers. 
Right. That's when I put together in my head, oh, okay, he's just conquering this. But he fell in love, he had a kid, and now he's trying to see if he's going to take his kid with him or he has to kill her ki- his kid. That's what he was waiting for. He right. wasn't sure if he had to kill his son or if he had to train him. He, he didn't know. He was a late bloomer. Right. And then that's where it gets complicated now because now he realizes he doesn't have to kill him because he's got the powers, but now he realizes, oh, shit. He was raised as a human, so now I have to kill him because he's in the way. Right. If he would have raised <laughs> him the right way at the beginning, yeah, he would be emotionless. Sh- yeah. But he wouldn't have been able to do that with her because whatever, yada, yada. Yeah. But with all that being said, the and the way aspect. that it ended with him leaving, do you see Nolan turning on his planet and committing to Earth? Well, see, that's the thing. There are people who are listening to this right now that have already read the Because remember, the comic series is complete. Oh, okay, that I didn't know. So they're going based, from what I understand from people who have read the comic, they've been pretty close to accurate thus far in the series. And they've already been approved for seasons two and three, and they have a ton of material that they can play with. So there's apparently a lot going on, and I don't want to give anything away, but let's just say that you're, you're awfully close. I would imagine that's how this again, goes down. Yeah. Again, that's what they're telling me at that end scene. When right? he leaves. That, when yeah, he when actually he sheds a tear means he does have emotion. Yeah. Right? And like Yeah, he, that's he, what it's telling He me. built them to make it look like they're just warriors and they follow the order, they get it done, that they have pride in that, and that's who they are. And that it's I'm meaningless. Loo- I'm loyal to Vitrio. I don't give a fuck right. about Vitrio. Exactly. Vitri. I don't oh. care about anything else, even if that means I have to kill you, which yeah. I believe he even said. Yes. Not verbatim, but he did say. I can't let that- you stop me. Exactly. That's what even it was, if right. I have to kill you, yeah. then that's what I have yeah, to do. This is going to happen. And then when he hit them with the biggest fucking tear jerk I ever felt in my goddamn life, he was like, what will you have when all this disappears? And he was like, you. Uh, I was yeah. like, no, you asshole. Uh, right in the feels. Right in the heart, dude. Somebody called the police. They're chopping onions across the street again, goddammit. Yep, yep. That oh shit was, was nuts, man. It was good. It was it was a good show. It was a good show. I don't know if I would rate it up there with all the people, all the hype, but it was enough no, to keep me ever, intrigued and ready for it. Nothing ever lives up to the bullshit ass hype of these fucking things. But yeah, no, it's a fantastic But I understand series. the hype now. Again, like you said, I didn't know it was a. Uh, I, I didn't know, know it was either, a uh, no. comic. I didn't yeah. know that. So I know there must be tons of following for this shit. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of issues. I, 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 got, I got the complete series on my thing now because they finished it. They wrote it. They wrote it off. Uh, they completed the story, so to speak. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see where this because because basically I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a chance to continue this series but from the comfort of my own home and at my own speed fucking weekly episodic releases fuck you yeah I'm spoiled to death I can't do this I can't go back to this I thought we I thought we were living in civilized times and that's why I'm kind of glad I didn't get a chance to watch it when the all the hoopla was spiking yeah. because um, when I did finally sit down to watch it it was all out. So I just watched the whole thing, which was good. That's the way I like to do it. Which was, uh, the only thing good about the weekly thing is that me and my wife had our our Friday programming. I would go and I would, you know, bubble gum and I'd come back. And uh, we got Falcon, we've got Invincible, and we've got the Mighty Ducks. This is what we did. This was our Fridays. Now all I have left is my Mighty Ducks. Mm. That's it. 
until Loki comes out, but now Loki comes out Wednesday. Oh no, not true. Handmade uh Handmade Tale is uh we're watching that. So that's good. You ever seen that show? That shit that shit will fuck your head up. Mm-mm. It's dry. It's dry, but it's good. I don't know how to explain it to people. If you don't get into dialogue and my favorite emoting, Ooh. you have to emote. There's so many scenes in this show where they just show the person's face. There's no dialogue, and we've counted. Sometimes it was one scene, no lie. It was almost five to six minutes, and it was just facial expression from the same person. Mm. Right. Same individual. Elizabeth Moss, if you're listening to this, you are an angel. You were given a (laughs) gift of acting. I can watch Elizabeth Moss do a full-length 90-minute movie with no dialogue, and I'd be into that shit. Just yeah. face, hands, emotion, sadness, excitement, anger. Like, if she could teach a fucking acting class through Zoom, she wouldn't have to leave her house. Just emote. That's it. That is perfect storytelling. So I can't wait to see what's going on with the rest of that show. But now we must move on to something else here. You weren't too keen when you saw it. We almost got into it last week, but we got ahead of ourselves on cool video game talk. It yeah, got a, much, a much better vibe. A much better vibe. But we have to discuss it a little bit, and I feel like we're going to be on two different ends on this. But that's fine. That's what makes Wait, no, there's no way. Ugh, listen, let's. All right, let's go. Let's, let's go. Talk now about I'm in the trees. I, we're not on the cyber end. There's <laughs> yeah. no way we are. Let's, there's let's, no way we yeah, are. Let's talk about this. So. We very rarely ever discuss this company anymore because, quite frankly, neither of us have an interest really in it. Unless something huge happens, something big. I try my best to yeah, keep it's, up. It's I hard. do. I really it's do. It's hard. It's hard. I because, I, because I feel like there is potential. Oh, yeah. But no, of course. Yeah. But no, I can, I'm very good at identifying issues that will <laughs> never get solved. And not only are the issues that won't ever get solved, I don't think it's issues that they deem as an issue. So that's why it'll never get solved. Oh, and first. if that cancer continues to live the way that it does, then, I mean, the show's never going to reach its fullest potential. But that's but I still have hopes, and that's why I, I, I <laughs> tune in when I can. There. I still got it on record. Okay. I still record the episodes, and I peek in and, and, and try to watch it. So. <laughs> I peek in. Uh, of course, we're beating around the bush here, but AEW, Always. the AEW had its, I don't know, Television PV, PVP, yeah, oh PVP pay per view. Yes, it had its first player versus player show <laughs> this past. No, not this time. We were a week behind here. Last, whatever, of gotcha. not too long ago. Right. They had their big blood and guts pay per view slash free dynamite episode slash whatever the fuck. Right. So backstory. I don't know if you know this part of the story or not, but I'll give content to the people who are listening. This was the Corona match. This was the match. This was, they had a whole pay-per-view called Blood and Guts. It was supposed to take place here in Newark, New Jersey. Well, not here. I'm not in Newark, New Jersey, but it's right around the corner from where I live. Uh, And uh, I actually was going to buy tickets to that event because I I had some, I had some, you know, some side stuff going on with AEW. A couple of my buddies are there. We had some plans for the evening, and I was going to go to the show. It's going to be a whole guy's night. It's going to be great. I was I was pumped, and then COVID came and slammed the door on all of that goodness. 
That show never happened. They had to repay, you know, refund everyone, blah, blah, blah. But the idea was they were going to get the elite versus the inner circle. Okay, that mm-hmm. was the original plan. Kenny, Cody, the Bucks, Paige against the inner circle. That went away. Now, over time, I guess someone got it in their head. I really want to fucking do this match. I really want to do this fucking match. So they made this shit happen. They couldn't do the elite because there is no more elite. That's pretty much all done with the exception of a few. Actually, I can't even say they're done. The only person not fucking with the elite now is Cody. Everybody else is in the same fucking position they were before. But they're all doing their own thing. So they had to literally make a group. They just made a group. That's it. They just made a stable, put them together. And they're all groups in that place. Yeah. So. Everything is groups. We already went through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. just, uh, that's the funny part. They have and 17... it was one of those things you didn't notice until you noticed. Yeah. It was a glass shattering moment. Because yeah. after that conversation, when I watched the, like, the next time I watched AW, I swear to God, it was like the team of, like, this guy's in a single match, but he's a part of yeah. this. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, everyone's <laughs> in a team. They had 17 teams, but still felt the need to develop a whole new one. Right. Just for this particular fucking match so it's the pinnacle mjf ftr uh sean spears who the fuck is the fifth that shit is escaping my head right now as we speak oh wardlow there we go yes wardlow, wardlow the guy that i like so much yeah the guy that you love so there's much. so many people that have so much potential yeah. in that place. you like him so much that's why they're going out of their way to destroy him because you like of him course. so much so that's yeah, the five on me. one side, and of course the inner circle, Chris Jericho, Santana, Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, and Jake Hager on the other side. That was the match. Now here's the thing. This was called a blood and guts match. But essentially, it was Post a war. Yeah, it was a war game. <laughs> and well, after I saw, Invincible, I need guts. Well, the only reason you didn't see any guts is because the inner circle decided to put wear jumpsuits. Normally we see a gut. On AEW Dynamite every week, but we they, they were covered up, so no, we were gutless on this one. Oh, okay. But it was yeah, essentially yeah. supposed to be a War Games match. They don't own the rights to the name War Games. That belongs to WWE, but right. they don't own the technical concept of the fucking match. So they did everything possible to make sure that you were aware this was War Games. They talked about it like it was war games. They brought up previous war games from back in the 80s when Sting survived the Horsemen and all this other stuff. They talked about how Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross called the very first Blood and Guts match, which for the record, folks, Mm -hmm. they have never called a Blood and Guts match. They called the first war games match, but they never called a Blood and Guts match because it didn't exist until fucking two weeks ago, okay? Right. Right. Stop. So they did, they went out of their way to make sure you were aware that this was supposed to be violent, bloody, and a yes. mess. It's gonna, and people are going to be fighting for their lives. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, did, did, they, did they come across to you in this match? Well, okay, so here's the thing about this match, okay. right? So... It wasn't a bad. It wasn't a bad match. It actually was. I thought it was relatively decent. Right. It was definitely the best car, uh, match on the card. Of course. But that's not saying much. No, it's like being, that's and that's so yeah. that's the problem, right? Like, yeah, it, it was. 
It was a nice guy. Did good, but what do we yeah. compare? Like, what did I watch all day? Right? Yeah, he like, was a it's, gold it's medalist. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite effect of killing the crowd, right? Like, one match is not the main event, and everyone thinks it should be. And then you have another match that is the main event, and then the one that everyone thought should be the main event kills. And although the main event is still really good, it just doesn't. It can't reach that level of energy. I think that's what it was. I think it's just the card was so bad. Is by the time you got to the end, you get. You have enough people in the ring where the action can never, it should never stop, right? There should be no hold moments. So there should be some type of high intensity or big moment happening uh, at that, at, you know, at the same time or never stopping. And I think that pace made the match feel a lot better than probably it really was to me. But all in all, I mean, it was a pretty good match, but the whole show itself was kind of like eh so yeah it's it's the able body guy who won the special who old who won the gold medal at the special olympics like i'm a gold medalist okay but you really shouldn't have competed in that event bro like you're, right. you're fine like it's yeah it it was a i i'm tainted i say it all the time to people i have a hard time watching wrestling matches because i always critique it right that's a negative thing for me a positive is sometimes i can overlook something when I'm when I know the guys in the ring or the girls in the ring are really busting ass, when I can see them trying so hard <laughs> to get this to go, to get this match going, and like you said, I, the biggest compliment I can give this match was pacing. They moved. Everybody was moving. Everything, something was always happening. For a long while in this matchup, it felt like a war games, mm-hmm. or at least it did to me, since I'm, I'm very familiar with watching war game matches mm-hmm. as like it felt like that uh i only criticism i really have besides the obvious one at the end which we'll get to yeah i love the fact that a lot of people bled that was good for tv my only mm. problem is i never got to see even though i saw people bleeding they didn't do anything to show me where and how one guy is standing there Camera cuts to another guy, and when and he comes open. back, and this guy's wide open, and I'm like, right. "What did I miss? Right. Like, what the fuck happened?" And before on AEW Dynamite, you were the one that pointed this out, and it was a great observation on your point, and it leads to another criticism here: when Doctor Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa had their match, and there was blood, Britt Baker wanted to make absolutely sure everyone saw that blood. Right. And Thunder Rosa worked on that wound to get that blood really nice and lush, get that nice mm-hmm. red color going, mm-hmm. really get that visual for the camera. Right. In this matchup, which is a War Games matchup, somebody did something, he just happened to be bleeding, and that was it. Right. There was no real emphasis on any of the bleeding, on any of the danger. It was spot, 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 spot. In a, right. in a war game. So I was like, all right, I'll, again, I'm tainted. I'll watch it, okay? All right, fine. This is the style of today. Cool. But it was just like, okay, now Sammy's bleeding. Wait, wait, how, what did I miss? Now Dax is bleeding. Oh, wait a second. I appreciate the fact that everyone's bleeding. Can you, can you do it on the camera? <laughs> where, can you do it where the money's made? Well, where everyone can see it? My problem is, is that I've noticed a trend after that Britt Baker match that everyone's fucking bleeding now. Like on a random Tuesday, they're just bleeding. And I think that took away the whole blood and guts theme. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, the pay-per-view, 
the pay-per-view is called or whatever you want to call that was called that but that that doesn't mean every match has to have it how many times have we had a blood type related pay-per-view where the only thing that bled only time there was blood on the match was uh in that match the the, the first blood. blood match right right like that's what I'm talking about. First blood matches. Like that doesn't mean the whole pay per view. Everyone has to leak. <laughs> no, if anything, you're doing it's just a, a a bad thing for the last match because I'm, there's blood everywhere. Yeah, there's blood everywhere. That doesn't just because the theme of the pay per view is that doesn't mean that everyone has to cut. There's stop it, please. It's like who's right? Like who's guiding? These, we've had that conversation before, so yeah. it's kind of a rhetorical question, but who's guiding these people is like, hey, it's not your time to get the cut moment. Can you stop ruining it for the people that it is their time? So now you got a blood match where all I've seen is blood all day. So there's like, what? and then on top of that, you're not properly doing it. So now at what point am I like supposed to be hyped for this blood? Well, another... Well, yeah, well, good point about the blood. And that's they used to impose fines on that. Like, if the main event had a big spot that involved, I don't know, a fucking chair spot, right? If, if they we're gonna do a big spot at the end, it's gonna cost the champ something, something with a chair, right. blah, blah, blah. You don't have your opening match go out do there the and thing. start doing a bunch of shit with chairs. It was like, okay, well, that's there goes the girls to pop on that. I'm, yeah, I'm watching chairs all day. Yeah, I'm watching chairs all day. It's like, like That was one of the problems I had with the WWE's TLC match, uh, TLC pay-per-view. Right. It's like the main event's a TLC match, right. But before the TLC match, you had a T match and an L match right. and a C match. Right. And now the last one is all three of them together. All I'm kind of yeah. well, cashed out. At least yeah. that makes sense. It's like when they have the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It's, you opened with a Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. And now you're closing with a Hell in a Cell. I'm done. Right. I, right. I jizzed already. Right at, the, <laughs> right at the start. You blew my load already. I'm done. I'm already. cashed out. I'm done. Uh, I felt like everything was going great for this match. The momentum was going good. Everybody was on the same page. And I am a f- I'm really sad to say this out loud, but I think everything dropped as soon as as soon as Jericho got in, it was done. I was like, everything just slowed down. That just brings me to the old old head conversation, man. I just don't really care for it anymore. Like, yeah, well, I mean, now we're putting Jericho in that category. Unfortunately, yeah, man, time has come. He's got a gut. He doesn't move as time fast. Time comes I mean, for every man. Listen, dude. They went in there no, and they no comment to him or his skill. He can still do it, but in these type of level matches where you have all this youth around you, you're almost weighing them back more than doing them any service. Well, in I'm, my opinion. But Well, I'm, actually, it, it was kind of funny because I actually kind of felt bad that everybody had done so much in this match to get it over as a violent, just sped up, like the pace was so good. And then, I don't know if you remember, everyone's fighting, and then Jericho gets in, does a few things, and then they split off. So, like, the pinnacle is in one ring, and then the inner circle is in another ring, and then they, like, do this bullshit charge thing where they have to come at each other, but there's ropes so they're like they run at each other like 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 the fucking Avengers Endgame where they all run at each other and then they all delicately like go through the ropes to then tie up with each other. Oh, okay, like, so you so you noticed that awkwardness too. It yeah, wasn't of just course me. it was awkwardness oh, okay, okay, because it right. was fucking ropes. There was things in the way. 
And I get what they were trying to go for, but that works better when there's no obstructions. Oh, my God. It was or just if they weird. all had the hops to clear it, which they did not. That would have been dope. If they would have all charged at each other and, like, let's say Sammy and Santana just dove over, over and knocked them all down like bowling pins. And then, like, here comes the rest of the inner circle to pick the bones. I'm like, but they didn't plan for that. They literally ran full speed for two feet. And then they just kind of whimsically went through ropes. And threw rabbit punches at each other. I was like, oh, and that's the end of this for me. I was done. I was out. As soon as I saw them do that. And then I officially threw my remote. Mm -hmm. When we're at commercial, this is where I lost all love for this match. I was loving it. And then it was out. We're in commercial, which means the match is now in picture in picture. It's in the corner of the screen. They're in picture in picture. And... I'm I'm walking around my living room, right? I'm watching. I'm keeping an eye on what's going on. And they're in picture in picture, so it's a small shot, so it's hard to kind of see what's going on. But I, I got it on. And they're doing spots. They're fighting. All of a sudden, out of fucking nowhere, MJF is on top of the cage. And I said, hold the fuck. Hold the fucking phone. Why is he outside of the cage? How did he get outside of the cage? And it wasn't like the cage opened and MJF snuck out, and they're, they the 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 you know the AEW. They're not supposed to let him out. No, you're not supposed to come out of the cage. So at something all. should have had to have broken. Well, I'm going to explain to you what out. happened because I went right. back and looked at it. But this is my oh, okay. I'm giving you my first reaction. Well, here. I'm re- I'm reacting to you in real time as yeah. well. Like that's what I was thinking. Yeah, like, so where's like, the breakage? So we're in point. We're in picture in picture. MJF is now on the cage. Can't miss them with the white tights, right? By the way, the heels wearing white was absolutely money. Because that's, like we said, we're Britt Baker, right? When you're going to bleed, wear white. That's the money. Let them mm. see it. And they all wore white, which was dope. Even Wardlow had a white singlet. It was awesome. You can't miss them. So here's MJF going to the cage. And I thought to myself, okay, they probably went to that spot early. Now that they noticed that MJF is on top of the cage, the finish has to be coming soon. Surely... We'll end the commercial at any second now to go back, right? Hey, 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 let's get back to the action real quick. MJF is on. Nope. During the course of the whole picture in picture, MJF goes to the top, and all of a sudden Jericho is right behind him. And then Jericho climbs to the top. Jericho and MJF are on top of the cage, and I can't see it because we're in picture in fucking picture. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, what the fuck's happening? After the match was over, I went back because I was still so confused. I went back. Apparently, MJF was able to get out of the cage because the referee who was near the door, he was supposed to be keeping an eye on the door or whatever, Tully, the manager, Tully Blanchard, attacked the referee, opened the, and he's the one who opened the cage door, and mm. MJF snuck out. And of course, if you're gonna sneak out of a, if you're gonna sneak out of the cage, away from your opponents, to save yourself from an ass whooping, naturally the first thing you're gonna do is climb it. You wouldn't run away from the cage, or run around the cage, or get something from the side of the cage as a weapon to defend you. No, you'd just go to the top to chill. <laughs> right. That's your natural course of action. Spot, so. Right. He had to go. He had to go to the next spot, right? Exactly. I was that's lost at this. That's point. what it feels like. How do you have one of the 
most major points of your match not on TV. Because the, they don't understand that you're supposed to slow the match down when there's a commercial break. And here's another problem I have. Why did they have why did they save so many commercial breaks for their main event? Because they don't know how to produce a show. Well, there you go. Mystery solved. I mean, I, See, life for, is easy when you're just honest with yourself. Formatting. I would have burned through so many commercials during so many matches knowing mm. that I had a 40-minute cage this, match to end. This show reeks of somebody who has a lot of money, hires people based off of a resume, and doesn't actually filter through their prospects. And he has people that are in charge of things that are doing whatever the fuck they want and clearly they don't have the experience needed to do so and it's everything is just running at its in different directions and it seems like nobody has control over it (sighs) first of all the whole picture picture thing just i'm sorry but i got ocd i can never watch that small i don't i don't watch i'm sorry i don't have ocd OCD. that's not what i meant to say i have add there's no way i could look at the small screen while the big one is making more noise yeah Smart so brain will never do it. I don't even bother. Like I said, when it went to picture in picture, I was Which walking around the house. Which makes it even worse because now you come back and you're watching a completely different match. Yes, that's you how guys I got aren't stuck. Even close to where you were during the commercials. Yeah. So I missed something. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I missed the most important thing of the match because, like I said, I was walking around my house. I'm like, I'm not watching. Who watches picture in picture? I can't do it, man. I, th- no, I thought I, I was mean, the just, only one that just, hated that. No, no. There's a large section of people who are just like, I can't. It's not even an issue of want. My right. attention span does not work like that. I can't theory, pay attention to it. It sounds like a good idea. Keep the wrestling on the screen at all times. Right. But, but the problem is, and that's fine. Listen, that's perfectly fine. But that doesn't mean that your wrestlers can completely disregard when there's a commercial break. You cannot run a story while there is a commercial going on. That just doesn't See, make sense. Here's the part that kills me. There, I, I don't think there's any communication in the in in the. And that's what I mean about like producing. nobody told MJF. Nobody told. I think MJF did it because Tully did it. Right. He's he can't do it until Tully opens the cage. So the cue for MJF is that Tully has to open the cage. So I think the lack, the, the bomb in communication here was that nobody told Tully. And that's even worse nobody because he's told, not even in the he's match. He's not even in the match or in the cage. There's no reason why he camera. doesn't know. You can't have a referee on an IBF or anybody tell Tully, hey, hold off on that spot because we're on commercial. We're currently in picture in picture. I'll iggy you as soon as we're back live because you can come back live. With a big spot, a break mm-hmm. spot, you do a break spot, everyone doubles down, everyone's down, you do the whole MJF is climbing toward the door, you tell the referee in the ring, hey, have have Max crawl toward the door, we're going to cue Tully in a second, we're coming back to air. And then as soon as he sees Tully fuck with the ref and open the door, MJF is already in position, he comes out, we're on camera. Or you don't have a picture in picture in the middle of your main main event, and, or you just follow what people are already doing, man. I don't understand why people refuse. Like, there's a reason why WWE is number one and on top. They elongate their entrances. They make the wrestlers stand in the ring like goofballs and dance around for 10 minutes. But when they come back, you don't miss anything. And when they do have to go to commercial during a match, they usually come back in a hold. I know they've been dicking around for 
five minutes. <laughs> well, I just know it, and it feels good to know which that sucks I didn't fucking you miss anything. Which sucks because I can't fault the wrestlers. I can't fault the wrestlers no, for not killing production. time. That's to, not wrestlers. They have. They cannot be killing time for commercial breaks in a war games match. No, not in the even main event. You, even if you had. Like, sometimes these things are unavoidable, right? And that's why I asked you. I sent you a message saying, is this a pay-per-view? And yeah. you said no. And said, I'm like, no. okay, because not, yeah. if I'm watching commercials during a pay-per-view, I will never watch a pay-per-view ever again. No, you, you, I wouldn't suggest anyone would do that either. But that's the part that killed me. This is why this particular match doesn't get done on free fucking TV. And then I got a double for you, right? So did you hear the criticism from the people who were live in the building? No. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't like go in. I don't. I don't get any of that stuff okay. on my feed. All right. So, so I'm. I'm gonna give it to you then. Here we go. I'll keep you. I'll keep you abreast of the situation. Right. So they had a war games match. When you go to a WWE event, and you know for a fact a cage is coming, a cage, Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber. Right. This is like if you go to the Elimination Chamber pay per view, you're expecting a chamber match. Correct. Right. Right. Okay. What's the first thing you see hanging above the ring when you go to the elimination paper? That's part of the hype. Right. When you walk in the building, you see the cage. You know where you are. You know what time it is. Okay. So here's the fucked up part. This is why people had a hard time with this show. And I'm talking about the people who went. So... They're oh, the, wait, I think I know what you're Here we to. go. So Okay, no, this, I think, this, yeah, this, this, I talked to you about it. Yeah, this is this building that they're in is called Daily Place. It's an open-ended building. They don't have a fucking roof, right? Or at least not one structurally sound enough to hold a fucking cage. So, for whatever reason, they decided to tape the first hour of wrestling, and they played it on a screen for the people who went to the building, and then they had the fucking cage match. So imagine the anger level of an individual who risked his health mm-hmm. to fly to Jacksonville, Florida to see this fucking match live Pay and money. they get there and all they did was watch TV for the first half of this. Yeah, they, didn't even, they didn't even get a full fucking pay-per-view or a full show. They I'm had hot. to tape it because they couldn't raise the cage up. So they set the cage up and then they just fucking left it there. So they had the matches taped beforehand. Then they had, just to keep the, get the crowd hot before the cage, just to wake them up, yeah. they had Omega go out there for a promo, they had Miro go out there for a promo, and then they had a fucking match. So not only, not only did you get just the one match for your money, I mean, it technically is what you paid for, right? You, they went because it was blood and guts. But come on, you gotta get, you, you're supposed to get a full card here. Right. And they did not get that. No, they didn't. So there were people asking for refunds and Absolutely. people pissed off. And I was I like, what too. the fuck is this? I didn't, come, I didn't come all the way here to fucking watch TV, asshole. <laughs> I wonder because fucking of the... balls. Because... I, w- I just want to be the guy in the room where a bunch of people said, yo, we're going to do this. And no one said, well, that's a bad idea. Yeah. No, I all walked out. I have a picture in my head of that conversation being so casual. Yeah. They're like, well, I mean, you're going to do a cage. Dude, That's awesome. You get this cage built, man. Yeah. You can't hang it. Well, we'll fucking just record the first half. Yeah, right? exactly. 
Exactly. Just fuck it. We'll just fucking tape it. You know what, Some dude? Shit. That's why I have you here because you're a fucking genius. Dude. You're, you're the idea man. <laughs> and then they went and they went on about the rest of their day. <laughs> yeah, he went to go finish his 500 piece word puzzle. Right. He's like, God damn, boy, you are an idea machine, boy. Look at you. You just creative. Stuff. That's why you're Pat, on the payroll, baby. Pat Patterson reincarnated. Look at you. Oh my god. He's living through you right now vicariously. Nah, it was it was um. I was all on in board, all. The bro. match wasn't bad. Yeah, the match was actually really good. I was loving. Wasn't it. Wasn't bad, and I really like. I forget. I keep forgetting his name. I really like the guy who went in first, the young, skinnier guy, uh, Guevara. Guevara. I Sammy really Guevara, like yeah. him. He has a. Uh, he has a few things that he definitely seems like he's got some work to do, but I really. He's one of my favorite guys there. He has a lot of personality. He does, and he's really good in the ring. Yeah, I, I just—he's so small. Yeah, he's got a—he's got a few things. I can't, he I can't see. On. I can't see like a high-profile match like him and Wardlow in the ring, and I'm like, God damn. Yeah, like I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> I like him. I don't I think do. he's top tier or anything, but I, I like him a lot. Uh, you know what though? He—I mean, in all reality, he could. I mean, if Daniel Bryan at his size. You know, I mean, I don't even know anymore when it comes to size. You just got to have. Yeah, but Dan, if you're going to be I've small, a, you better have a, the complete package. I got a whole new respect for Daniel Bryan, man. That dude, I want to go. He's another one that I missed, and I want to kind of go back and watch his legacy a little bit because this guy, when you. Okay, so he, he actually brought up a question. I don't know how much more you want to talk about bad blood or whatever. The hell no, it's was. it's done with. Go ahead. All right. Did you want to talk about the scene off the cage? Because that was kind of cheesy. Do we really have to? I mean, it is what I'm it is, just right? asking. I, 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 here's the only comment I'll make on this. Before I this. jump to the next topic, because yeah. ain't really much here's, else you can say about this here's shit. Here's the only comment that I can make about that. Uh, don't piss on my face and call it rain. Mm. Okay? Don't tell me it's concrete. Don't put little concrete panels on there and all that other shit. Right. Don't go through the facade of telling me that this is a hard-ass surface when we all fucking know that it's not. Right. This is my only criticism when it comes to this modern wrestling bullshit. Everyone, this is the new way that modern wrestling is. Everyone knows it's fake. Right. No. I get it. Well, to a degree, I understand where you're coming from. But if, if you can't be half pregnant, you can't tell me that it's all bullshit and then get mad and then just go about your business like it's that fucking obvious. You got to have some care, some tact of the matter. Don't right. tell me or no, the other way. Don't tell your commentators. To tell me that's concrete. Right. I know for a fucking fact that's not concrete. Wait, is that what they said? No, concrete? they said it on commentary. Oh, my God. That when he was on top of the cage, this is before he fell. He was like, here are about 15, 20 feet in the air. That's nothing but concrete down there. Dude, I, I have like, a bad job missing shit like that. Because if I I'm heard like, that, I'd have fucking lost when my When he mind. said it, I said, okay, so they're going to take a bump. Because why the fuck else would he tell me the fucking material you know, type Jericho of the ground? ain't going to take that bump, dude. That's the thing. The At here. first, when MJF had him up there, and he did the whole, I'm going to push him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drill him, and they were like, no, no. I'm like, <laughs> Jericho's not taking that fucking bump. And then they did, oh, we give up. We give up. We get with surrender. I was like, oh, okay, there you go. That was just a bullshit excuse. And then... Jericho stands up and he starts wobbling and I said, No, he's not. And I said, No, he's not. He's not gonna take that bump. And then MJF comes over and just basically blows in his direction. <laughs> he just 
He gave him the softest little little finger poke touch, and then Jericho just said, ah! and he just fucking jumped and killed himself on this airbag. And I was like, oh, Lord. On you this can, airbag. You can hear the building go, oh. It wasn't they were. fucking necessary, bro. You had me. You didn't need to take that bump, and it was an unnecessary, gross look. Uh, all of it. All of it. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. All it right. was nasty. All right. Yeah, there's nothing. But if, really... we, but if we move past that part, I actually all think the all, whole match. match. I yeah. don't like the way it ended. I don't like that that was how they ended it with a submission like that. I don't like that. It wasn't even like they just gave up. They said, that's what I'm saying. They're like, they just, no. Like the person who quit. I'm like, nah, wasn't fuck even it. Even... He know what he was here for. Do it. Yeah, well, fuck He's it. ready to die. Yeah, he, yeah, word. It's like, he's the captain. He's ready I to die. I ain't quitting shit. And when you kill him, you got to come back down here. Yeah, word. Ass, Imagine boy. they would have did that. No, fuck that. Jericho, no, he's the captain. He knows what he's here for. And Jericho's up there like, no, bitches, don't let him throw me. <laughs> I was like, nah, he's ready to he die. Said, well, I, who's ready to die? I didn't sign up to die. What the fuck? <laughs> Said, no, I looked up. He looked up at MJF. No, they don't speak for me, bro. Hold on a second. Hold on. You don't ain't gotta throw nobody. Time out. And Santana and Ortiz is sitting there like, yeah, no, he's good. He's ready to die. He bought that life. What life? No, I want to live. I'm not about that death life. I don't know. I, I would have actually enjoyed that if he would have if he would have pussied up up there. That would have been, like, yeah. been funny. That'd have been good. At least some comedic relief. Yeah, well, we got comedic relief. It just wasn't funny. Let's go. Go ahead. What was the next thing? Hold on. I don't know. I fucking forgot. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> forgot where we go because we started talking about that stupid ass drop. What were we saying? <laughs> I forget uh, what we were saying. All right. So with so with that being said, the thing that I got from that was when I was talking about Daniel Bryan there a second ago. Um, I want to go back and watch his legacy because if there's one thing he's kind of shown me versus what I'm watching now is he's really good. When people say you got to tell a story in the ring, sometimes if you don't understand, like it's hard to understand that in, unless you understand it, if that makes sense. Right. Because when people tell it to me, I don't, I don't under, like, I don't understand it the way that Daniel Bryan does it. Like this dude is so good in the ring that I missed all of that. So I want to go back and watch it. But it sparked a question in my head because there's so much not that out there. Right. Predominantly wrestling, in my opinion, isn't what Daniel Bryan brings to the ring. Right. So what exactly is hooking people into wrestling? So what what is when someone goes, Well, I didn't like that match or I didn't like this match, it's because of the wrestling. What exactly are they looking for to be a good match? I think there was another guy that I watched earlier, Raw. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blanket. He, he wrestled Sheamus, and he broke his ass on Raw. Oh, Umberto Carrillo? Yes, him. Him in the ring, I'm like, man, this guy's really good. Like, I like him. But then instantly my wrestling brain, I, I don't, I, do I have a wrestling brain? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But what to I have, deem well, to be waking up now. What, what I deem my wrestling brain, uh, I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, he looks great. But is he ever going to be the guy? Like, can he have good matches? Sure. But can he have great matches? No. I don't know. I no. got to see more. From I'll solve that mystery that. for you right now. No. Well, I'm, I'm just saying in general, but right. I think there are a lot more people in the same caliber or range of his talent. 
if that makes sense. Just vaguely from what, what I'm saying. saying. Yes. Right. So when I look at someone like Daniel Bryan, it's just like, okay, he's on a whole nother level of it. But there's only a handful of guys at that level. And then I feel like everyone up below them, there's no storytelling. There's just action. There's holds. There's whatever. And I think maybe that's where the detachment between the writing and the actual storytelling is happening. But like when you watch a match, what is telling you this is a good match? Like what do wrestling fans, what are they looking for in a match? If predominantly it's not hot top tier or even close to what Daniel Bryan brings to the table or people of his peers, his, his level. Right. You're asking, that's a very subjective thing. You're saying, are you asking me or wrestling fans as a whole? I'm asking you, and then I want your thoughts on what you think other people Wrestling fans as a whole, like Daniel Bryan said back in the day, they're fickle. It, 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 i got to be honest with you. I feel I've been in the business for so long now that I feel like that answer changes from, time, from day to day. Like the guy who appreciated an angle Benoit match will say, wow, that's wrestling right there. I love that. And then like a week later, we'll watch the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros and they'll go, oh, this is wrestling. I love that. Like, no, you're talking about two completely different things. Right, exactly. But you're lumping them into the same group and that's not fair. Right. Because uh, I, whenever I had this argument, this is a really deep topic. You just fucking dumped, but we're gonna try to. We can pick it up it. on another day. No, I, no, I was no. just letting you. I was just letting you know, like this is what's been sparking in my brain right. since watching a lot of a lot of wrestling. Yeah, I'm, glad it's not, I'm glad you're. It's not there. bad wrestling. It's just it's not grabbing me. Right. Like some of the the people of the top tier, and let's move past that. Let's go back a little more. It doesn't grab me as much as like some of the mid card people back in the day. Like I've been watching a lot of old school wrestling, and you know, if you're not talking about the Hogan's and the Savages, and you start going mid card, these guys were goofy and funny. Yeah, goofy, funny. They 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 told funny. Even their ring was there were jokes in it. There were all kinds of fun stuff involved in the ring. And I, I feel like there's not a lot of that, which doesn't make it bad or good. I'm not trying to compare old to good to old to new. I still think wrestling today is actually really good. A lot better than I remembered it a couple of years ago. It's just, it's just different, man. And I'm just curious on what the average fan like looks for in a match. You should probably ask that in your group and see what kind of responses you get. I could do that. And, but I can also tell you exactly what they're going to say for the most part and because the, the, it's the same answer I get every time I put something in the tr- in the group. Oh, it depends. And that's where we lose it. And that's why <laughs> we'll never have wrestling the way that we used to have it back in the day because today's fan is living in a social media, iPad, Android, Apple world, and their attention span is 30 seconds. Right. And even things that they genuinely like, they won't like as much tomorrow. Right. And and that's why we have such an up and down fan base in wrestling today, to be honest with you. Because and it's not because one thing is worse or bad or better than the other. The attention span of people these days, it just changes. It's too much. One day you're in the mood for heavy metal and the next you're into hip hop and it, sometimes people aren't even aware of the change. And I, right. I know a lot of people who, like, for instance, one of the most controversial topics is, is always the Young Bucks. 
They're the ones who are the most controversial because, in my opinion, and I've seen them wrestle a thousand times, I've introduced them in the ring, I've called their matches, they do the same thing every fucking time. It's the same goddamn match every time. They move the maneuvers around to freshen it up. There you go. But it's the same fucking match. And people really didn't get it or they didn't really understand that it was that in the beginning. So their fan base would get really sensitive when people would criticize them. Oh, they could do a classic tag team match if they wanted to, but that's not the gimmick or that's not the this and the that. There was always an excuse as to why the Young Bucks would do what they did. Now that people, when you work on the indies and you do the same thing all the time, it's not nearly as bad as you think. Because you're not being seen by the same people all the time. Right. You're meeting new people all the time. So you stick with something that works and you make it work, and that's fine. When you're on TV every week, it becomes different. People are going to start picking it apart. Picking it apart, being judgmental, or just getting bored of it. The Mm -hmm. first time you see a Meltzer driver, that shit is fantastic. Right. You're like, oh, my God, that shit is amazing. That's some crazy athleticism. The second time you see it, you're like, God damn, how do they hit that shit every time like that? The 57th time you've seen it, it's not as impressive anymore. Right. It's just something that they do now. And you become desensitized. Because now you're used to seeing a springboard, front flip, assisted tombstone pile driver. So when a guy in the ring, he's wrestling some other guy, and he hits a regular pile driver... You're like, well, that guy's going to kick out. <laughs> of course, the normal man can sustain one simple bump to the top of the head. Mm-hmm. You know, it because now you're used to seeing a grown man being damn near decapitated to get beat. Right. And sometimes people kick out of that. Oh, my God. No one's ever kicked out of that because he should be dead. <laughs> he and that's be how, dead. yeah, that's how we got here. So. As far as what people like, as far as what they're looking for, it, that's why we have so many start and stop pushes in wrestling where certain wrestlers will get hot and then all of a sudden they're not because people lose favor. It's an attention right. span thing. It's right. not bad. It's not good. If they didn't they start hating it all of a sudden. They're just not as into it as they were the day before. Right. Daniel Bryan has a style that is has, that has stood the test of time. He's a little guy who wrestles from underneath, and that's his job. Right. He gets his ass kicked, he fires up, and that's his job. He's a wrestler. He knows holds, and he can grapple legit. That's not a work. He can. He studies all that shit, jiu-jitsu, all that shit, grappling, right. all that stuff. So that's how he starts off his matches. His Daniel Bryan has been able to manage to mix in real shit with fake shit. The WWE entertainment shit with the real shit, and that's why he stays over. Because at the end of all this, regardless of what style you like, whether if you're a hardcore wrestling fan or a flippy-doo shit fan or a Greco-Roman fan, whatever your style is, whatever you prefer, at the end of the day, pro wrestling works for you when the competitors in the ring are making this look as real as humanly possible, period. That's it. That's when it's at its best. No right. one can dispute that. No one. That's when pro wrestling is at its best. The, you can be entertained by other things. 
A wrestling show is a circus. You got to have your three ring acts. You got your acrobats. You got the guy who gets shot out of the cannon. You've got the animals. You got the clowns, right? right. Everybody has a role to play. Mm-hmm. But the problem runs when you have people on your wrestling show who all want to be the one thing. Right. That's when you have a problem. And that's why guys don't get over. Cool. You could do a springboard 450 to the floor. Awesome. I got eight guys in the locker room that could do that too. What right. else do you have? Right. And that's why I always lean towards trying to get people to utilize their personalities. The problem, the biggest problem in wrestling today is a lot of people in wrestling don't have personalities. They're boring people. And they're putting on a a show. They're faking it for the camera. And people can see through that. Mm -hmm. So it's not as interesting. Right. There's a lot of people that I've worked with that are fantastic performers. I've said it on this show a bunch of times. I've worked with Ricochet in the past. He's one of the best athletes I have ever seen in real life. I have called his matches before. The shit right. that he can do in a ring is unfucking it's it's godlike. I can't right. understand how a human moves the way that he moves. But he has no personality. And he admits it. He likes music and reads books and chills and he loves you know smooth jazz and shit. There's <laughs> nothing about this dude. That is just like he's a cool person to hang around, right? He jokes and he he's a you know he's cool average dude, man. There's nothing really about him that you would hate if you were around Ricochet the person. And there's like, nothing wrong this with is that. A cool, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But it right. doesn't translate to TV. Right, and it doesn't right, right. translate to entertainment. And it doesn't translate to big bucks. Right. That's why when people say, "How could they fuck up Ricochet?" They didn't fuck him up. This is what he is. Right. He comes in. He does a lot of cool shit. And that's it. We move on. He he does he does the trapeze, and then we move on to the next well, part of the circus. That's the thing that that's we it. said earlier. You can be the best in somewhere or be really good somewhere, but then if you go to the majors or where there's other people who are more refined at it, you know where do you fall there? So, and I think that's just one of those things you're seeing. Yeah, I tell, yeah, he may have been phenomenal, but yeah, everybody else here does that. What I, do you do? Yeah, I tell indie guys all the time. If you do cool shit on the indies, that's awesome. When it comes to you do, if you get signed, that means you're going to be doing this same shit. Which I would imagine would be the goal. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised with some of these people. But for the people who have some gumption and actually want to succeed in life, yes, that's the goal. And I tell them all the time, is this cool thing that you do something you're okay doing every fucking night? Right. And if it's not, then you better come up with something that you are because that's going to be your life. Right. People think I'm joking when I say this shit. I will never be a WWE superstar because I am not willing to give up what it takes to be one. When to be at the top, that means you have to give up everything. You don't have time for nothing. It's just that. And imagine mm-hmm. how much repetitions, how many times you have to go out to the ring, perfect your act. Before you can come up with a routine that you can do every night, it works in every city in the country and in the world. That's a crazy right. act. Seth Rollins has three moves, but he does it every night in every city in the world, and it gets over. That's talent. Right. If you can't do that, you're not going anywhere. That's it. Yep. Enjoy where you're at. Make the most of your success. 
but you're not going to get there. That's elite status. That's a specific talent. To that be is able a to specific grind something skill. like that over and yeah, over and Dan- over and still look like it's new to you. Right. Daniel Bryan got over in Ring of Honor for being a wrestler. He was doing hammer locks and airplane spins and small packages, but he got over because the way he does them. That's right. he put his spin on things and it became unique. It gave him value. It gave him something to sell. And it was a basic move set. The shit that he does, you could do that shit every night for the rest of your life. Right. But he did it in a way where it made sense. He put emotion in his shit. His yes kicks. They're just kicks. Right. That's it. But he involves the audience. He brings them into the match, brings them into the spot. And that's what gets that kind of shit over. I don't know right. how many times I, t- I tell guys, don't forget there's people there. Because they get zoned in. They're so worried about not fucking up a spot. They forget right. to engage the audience. So the audience sits there and they get bored because you're not playing with them. you got to play with them. you right. got to give them something to fuck with. Yell at them. Get them hyped. Spit at them. Something. Just get a fucking emotion out of these fucking mm-hmm. people. I don't know how many times I'm ringside. And I'm telling you, bro. Every little fucking thing that someone says to me. I don't give a shit. How small it is. I will fan that flame. Hardest like like fucking Tom Hanks in the castaway when he was trying to get that shit in the <laughs> wood. As soon as somebody mumbles something in my direction, I curse that motherfucker out. I want that. And I go side by side. I piss off one side. I leave. I That's piss it. off the other side. And then I go back to, to re-piss them off to make sure they're all had at me by the end of it. Mm-hmm. I got the last match I was in. I had so much heat in that building. When I got grabbed, they popped. I didn't even get hit. They just grabbed me. You're like, fuck that guy. Yeah, f- the dude in the front row. Fuck that guy up. I was <laughs> like, no, didn't listen to him. Listen to me. <laughs> no, but that's my point. Like, you got to have, you got to, and it's funny because the last few times people were like, you're starting to get a little too funny on the ringside area, but they're still booing me, bro. Right. Like, that's that's not babyface shit. That's just arrogant, cocky-ass personality, right. bro. I'm just, I'm better than them, and I, know, and, I'm, and I want them to be aware of how superior I am to them in every fucking way. That makes sense. I, was, I, I interfered in one match. I hooked the dude's leg, and as soon as I, uh, as, as soon as I hooked the leg, I dropped to one knee. This wasn't planned, by the way. I just had to come up with something. So I'm wearing dress shoes, right? Slip-ons, slip-on dress shoes. I don't have any laces or nothing on them. It's just like straight black leather shoes for comfort, right? Because I got to walk around and do shit. So I hooked the dude's leg, and I went down to, to one knee, and the dude turned around and looked at me like he was going to hit me, and I backed up. I said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And I was trying to play like I was shocked. And the referee came over looked at me. Hey, get out of here. I said, what? I'm tying my shoe. It's because I'm down on one knee. And I said, I'm tying my shoe. Now, on camera, that looks ridiculous, right? But you know why I'm doing this? The whole front row where I was at started screaming at the referee, he's lying. He ain't even got laces. <laughs> and I lean and I lean over. I lean over to the to the guy who's screaming it. I said, How do you know? You don't know nothing. He said, I'm looking right at your feet. You ain't got no fucking laces. I said, get the fuck out of here. You don't know what I got going on in the whole front rows. Now now they're yelling at me. This fucking guy over here is fucking around. He ain't got no fucking laces. 
<laughs> and the referee was screaming, and I walked off. I said, God damn it. So when I finally got grabbed, right, this was toward the end of the match. I finally got grabbed. Some shit went down. The match is over. We start leaving. And right that same side where I did the fucking shoe gag, this was like now it's like minutes later. It's after the match is over. Right. As we're walking by, they're they're booing us, right? And I and I tapped on uh, I tapped on Geo for a second. I said, "Wait one second. And I dropped to one knee like I was gonna fix my shoelaces again. Mm-hmm. And the, and the fans got low and they went, "Oh, again with this fuck." And before they can say anything, I went to my shoe. I turned to my right and I just flipped them off and left. They were like, "Oh, you bit, you bit into it because you're bitches, and I own you. When I'm <laughs> ringside, I own you, and I want you to know this." When it was over and we went to the back, like everybody in the back was bucking. They're like, yo, you got the most heat I've seen in this building in mad long. And I was out there for one match. And I was like, sometimes you got to engage them. Right. I didn't do anything that – the key is to not do anything that takes away from the match itself. The guys in the ring are supposed to be the focus. But you can do things that rile them up. Right? And once they get riled up, you leave them alone. So then I can take that. You ever been pissed at work and then you come home and now you're yelling at everybody at the house? No, because I'm not toxic, but yeah, okay, I, got but that's, I got what you're saying. Right. I've, been, I've been the victim. So yes. yeah, let's go from that perspective. Okay, well, based on your definition, yes. People normally beside yourself are fucking toxic and do shit like that. <laughs> so you have to utilize that to your advantage. So I'll piss them off and put them in a bad mood and then I disappear. And then when Ray's and Max do their thing in the ring, and they yelling at them now based on this shit because I pissed them off. It's a start. And this shit they're doing in the ring, it's a, it's a whole circle of things. So, yeah. We went off on a tangent just now. But we that's did, fine. but we've been doing that a lot lately. And yeah. We did some good shit. <laughs> well, I just wanted to wrap this whole thing up with a quick one-two, if it's all right with you. I'm with it. Uh, had a request for tonight's episode. Okay. A request. Some peers of mine, two to be exact. Mm-hmm. Uh, have been asking me some questions because they are beginning their careers yeah. as professional wrestling commentators. They're not working okay. together. These are two separate individuals. Okay. Um, a buddy of mine who uh, I'm very close with referred mm-hmm. me to them because they're beginning their careers, and they said, you know, as far as indie commentary goes, you really should talk to this guy. So they both hit me up, not at the same time, but separate times, but it just it happened recently. Right. And they were like, yeah, I wanted to get some ideas or some tips or something because they wanted to begin their careers as commentators. And I said, well, well you know, of course, when somebody asked me something like that, I got to ask him a million questions. The interrogation began at that point. Right. And I was like, you know, what do you do? What do you like, you know, what, what do kind of things do you say? Like, what's your style? <laughs> they had no answers for me. They were just like, oh, style? I, I don't know. I see a move. And like, that's fine, man. Like, Trust me, I've been there when you love. Yeah. Listen, you can love something and not know anything about it. Yes. Or know exactly how to do it. That's fine. Yes. You have your naturals. And that's that's the people we look up to. And we go, holy shit, they're really good. Yeah. You can get there. It's just going to be harder. So it's, it's not. I've been in that right position now. where I've wanted to do something. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, well, what is this, this, and this? And I'm just like, uh, I don't know. But I just want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm past the point in my life and in my career where I see someone that I know for a fact sucks. Mm-hmm. And I just go, God damn it, just can you not do this anymore? You're really garbage at this. I'm past right. that point. Now 
I'm at a point because I've seen people be told, "Oh my God, you're the shits," and then they end up being super duper good. I got a buddy of mine. Well, who's, that's gonna be, and that's the yeah. beauty of people like that, where you're gonna get the honesty from them, right? Right. So you're gonna, you're like, yo, you're absolutely trash. Like I'm not even gonna sit here and try to make you feel better. You're, you're garbage. You should <laughs> probably stop doing this. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying it because you're wasting your fucking time. Like you could be better at something else. I know it. And <laughs> one of two things is you gonna happen. They're you. gonna go fuck this guy. Go home and be like, yo, he's right. Let me just get a job somewhere. Or they're gonna say, fuck this guy. I'm a god, and I'm gonna prove it to you. And they <laughs> turn out that way by grinding well, and, and getting well, better. You know what I mean? Well, like, I go the other way with it. I, 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 uh, I hit them with a little bit of realism, right? Not, not in a negative way. I just let them know, okay, listen, if this is something you're really interested in doing and you want to do it right, you know, correctly, uh, this is going to be a lot of work. I hope you don't think that you're just going to jump in front of a microphone and just call a bunch of moves and all of a sudden you're going to be cool. This is a job and a half. And if you want value for your work, and by value I mean money, right? you know, you want to be paid professionally to do this, then you got to be good at it. And if you're good at it, if a good commentator is hard to find. Right. Two of them forget it, right? So if... You know, if you really want to be good at this and skilled at this, I can get you started and let you know the basics. We'll call this commentary for dummies, right? This is just simple, everyday, average shit that I know for a fact people don't do, and this is why they don't succeed. So every commentator, every ring announcer, every referee, every non-physical talent that works uh, in wrestling has to, at some point in time, go through a lot more hoops than the wrestlers do. Wrestlers take bumps. They get hurt a lot. So their stripes are earned a whole lot faster than the people who are non-bumping. Mm-hmm. So my history, I kind of my history is as uh, started as a wrestler. So my right. respect came very early in my career. A lot of the guys and gals kind of already had a respect for me because I I took the bumps, blood, sweat, and tears type shit, right? I was in the frat. So uh, my respect on that end came a little sooner. I had to earn my stripes behind the bo- in the booth a whole different way. And I had to get in front of a lot of different people to learn how to do this. Right. And not just, like I said, get in front of a microphone and call matches because that's how I started. I figured, yeah, I could do this. I've been watching wrestling the whole, for my whole life. Right. You've probably heard me call matches in the in the house or some shit. Who knows, right? I could do this if I really set my mind to it. And sure, like you said earlier, there's some natural talent there, but you have to learn the actual technical ways to do this, or at least to do it properly. So I just wanted to drop some quick notes, some quick tips, if you will, mm-hmm. for yeah. commentary for dummies. Now, I'm not calling my friends here dummies. I'm just saying like the book, you know, computers for dummies. Here we go. Here's a couple of tips that I can give you uh, to help you on your way. Now, the reason why I asked them the questions, you know, what things do you say? You know, what kind of situational, do you have any catchphrases? Is there anything you try to sneak in there? How do you cover up the stakes? You know, something happens in the ring, you don't know what's going on, how do you fix that, you know? There's a lot of different ways that you can do things. 
And a lot of these guys, I ask that question, they have no fucking answer at all whatsoever. Most of the time it's because they've never had to. Because a lot of bookers and promoters will book a guy for commentary and have no idea whether he can do it or not. They just know that he talks pretty good. He knows his wrestling. Go ahead and go out there and just call moves. And that's right. why you got guys out there. First first and foremost, let me just say tip number one, don't curse. Not because the promoter says not to. Not because... It's uh, it's, yeah, because it, be, it becomes a crutch. You have... Well, it not become, even that. It's just... Let's say you're phenomenal, but you do have that. You you open yourself up. You condition yourself to have a mistake in yeah. a place that won't allow it. And yeah, now you're on, fucking up right. your bag. Yeah, exactly. You finally get a tryout match somewhere and you drop a shit, you're done. Uh, but also, I mean, just in general, it, it just it's just not a good look, period. Right. You right. never know who's watching the program. You never know. And you you have a chance. I was told very early on in my career – uh, Shane Douglas, you're going to hear that name a lot during the course of this little rundown real quick. You know, ECW Shane Douglas, he told me straight up, he said, we had to learn in ECW. You never know who's watching, bro. He goes, I'm the last person that should tell you that cursing and wrestling is bad, but I'm going to tell you from your position, it's bad. Right. If a wrestler went out there and was just like, ah. Oh, I'm going to kick his ass or I'm going to slap this bitch. There's a tone to it, and there's a piece of the puzzle that the wrestler can use that for. You can't, unfortunately, because <laughs> right. you never know who's listening. You never know what right. audience member you can turn off just because you used bad language. <laughs> so for me, it was just a, a habitual thing. I just stayed away from the cursing. So I always advise people the same thing. You never know who's listening, especially if you want to send your matches to people to be looked at for prospective bookings, maybe right. even uh, a WWE thing or like a, a Impact Wrestling. You never know who's going to see it, so right. and you can't do it on TV. So just make it a habit now. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. That, that's that's I mean that's rule number one for me. Period. Right. Uh, I got a list here in front of me because I wrote them down because I was thinking in my head. These are all things that I do instinctively. I stopped thinking about these things a long time ago. Make notes. Please do yourself a favor. Make notes. I hate motherfuckers who try to do this shit off the top of their head. I hate it. You're going to forget. Right. It's not an if. It's a guarantee. There's too many things going on. There's too many moving parts. Make notes. And you got to be right when you bring shit back yes, up. Yes. You got to know what the fuck you're talking about, bro. You're the voice of the program. Whoever's watching this is following whatever it is you say. So if you get names wrong, you get moves wrong, you get dates wrong, you get fuck anything wrong, and it happens, you're human, but you want to make as minimal amount of those mistakes as you possibly can. Yeah. And when I say notes, I mean no. You guys aren't Michael Cole. You don't get an infinite amount of tries. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, post-its, notepads, laptop, iPad, whatever the fuck you want to use, it doesn't matter. You're behind a, You're at a table. You have access to whatever. Well, you're supposed to have a table. If you don't have a table, your promoter's fucking you over and he's low budget. You're supposed to have a table of some kind and a power source, preferably. But that okay. doesn't mean don't work that because you need experience. So don't listen to that. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> hey, if you're at that level, you're at that level. Me, I would, never, I would never take that booking. But oh, I'm just well, saying. Oh, shit. Damn, uh, dude. Uh, but that's me. If you're, if, if, if you're just now starting, which is the case for the two individuals who are asking me this question, mm-hmm. then, you, you know, you do what you got to do. Hey. I had many a day where it was just me, a chair, a microphone by myself for three right. hours. 
bullshit. I had a, what was it, BWF, Bronx Wrestling Federation? They put the commentary yes. on the loudspeaker so the whole room can hear you. Mm, so it's weird. me in a chair just watching wrestling sitting next to the audience on a microphone just talking shit. Right. Let me tell you something. A few of those nights and a few beers, those were some fun times because <laughs> I was making all kinds of ridiculous shit. I never got out of hand and I never disrespected anybody, but we had fun. Let's just put it like yeah. that. We had fun. Uh, but yeah, you gotta make your, you gotta pay your dues, and you gotta do what you gotta do. But make notes. Uh, even in those situations, if you don't have a table, that's where the notepad really helps. You can still have a notepad, post-it notes, whatever you need. Okay. As a commentator, you have to talk to people. This is a big thing for me. I don't know how many times I walk up to a venue, whether I'm a performer. Actually, it's kind of more annoying for me as a performer. If I'm a performer on a on a show and the commentator is there, and I have not seen him all day, I'm mad. Because you have no idea who I am. What are you saying on that show about me? You don't know me. You don't know anything about me. You don't know the name of my tag team, anything that my tag team does. You don't know where my guys are from. You don't know what they do. You don't know what they're about. You don't know any information about me. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, you have to. You have because to. instinctively, as a commentary, you just, especially if you're new to it or don't know the back shit, you think, I go in, I call the match, I leave. Yeah. But you're right. What the fuck are you? Yeah, you could do that, and you'll be just like every other gel. Yeah. You'll but be just like you could be guy. different and go talk to the people and feel them out and get their whatever. If someone has a gimmick where they're an asshole and they're an asshole to you, guess what? You really mean that he's an asshole when you say he's a, a fucking asshole. You know what yeah. I mean? Like communicating, feeling out the locker room and trying to being in well, there, being yeah. a part of the guys as much as you can could help uh, make your matches sound a lot better when you call them. Yeah, and it, uh, I'm going to address it right here, right now. A lot of the times that people do it isn't out of arrogance or ignorance. A lot of commentators or a lot of non-athletic members of the talent roster, I guess you could say the staff, uh, they get intimidated. Because the locker room is a very sacred place. Right. And it, and the, a lot of the locker room guys, they're joking. They know each other from being on the road. There's a there's a, a, a rapport there. And when you walk in there with your little suit on and your little notepad, it can be a little intimidating. Here's some advice. Do it. They want to talk to you, bro. Trust me. Not all of them. No, you know, the ones who, are, <laughs> the ones who don't want to talk to you, fuck them. Right. Then you say whatever it is you want to say. Just move on. But I'm yeah, telling you, the on. only time that happens when they don't want to talk to you, a lot of times, nine times out of ten, it's the grizzled vets who have been doing it for 20 years and don't give a fuck about nothing, and they're not going anywhere, so they're all pissed off and moody and da 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 da. Those are the ones who re- who really don't want to talk to you. When you walk over to them, they're just like, "Uh, oh, this is what I do," and this and that. They don't give a fuck, right? But you still have to, I'm telling you, you still have to entertain that. Even if it's you one gotta guy ask, out of the yeah. entire locker room, you got You could make his match look nasty Yeah. by calling it properly and also, giving them a better opportunity as well. It's a CYA thing for me. It's a cover your ass thing for me. Because, yeah, yeah that guy doesn't want to talk to me. But you know what? We're professionals. This is a professional environment. We got to do what we got to do. So you got to ask that question. So... When that match goes to shit, and if he's got an attitude like that, it more than likely will, and the promoter or the booker walks and listens to the match or goes back to watch the match to see what the fuck went wrong, 
He's going to be listening to what you said. So you want to make sure you did your homework. So when the guy comes up to you and goes, oh, that was a pretty good line. Where'd you get that from? I asked him. I got mm-hmm. it from him. Because right. if you go on camera and you start saying a bunch of shit off the top of your head and you didn't speak to anybody, they're going to be like, so you just go out there and you just start making shit up. Right. Like you just You're doing shit. You just, yes, yeah, sir. you just doing shit on a whim. you just saying shit. Right. But if you say some shit out there that the promoter or the booker wasn't thinking about or didn't tell you to say, and then you go, and they go, well, where the fuck did you pull that from? And you go, well, I asked him. And that's what he told me. Those Dems is his words. That's it. Right. And they go, oh, okay. And then they go talk to the guy. Got nothing to do with you. You were a professional. You did your shit. That's right. why I said make your notes. Talk to everybody, okay? First person you speak to before you speak to the performers. I'm telling you guys, go in this order. It will save you headaches. Because if you speak to the boys first, you'll get two answers. One will be when you ask them, hey, what do you want me to say on commentary tonight? Anything you want me to bring up? Blah, blah, blah. They're going to tell you, I don't know, whatever the booker wants, which is a waste of your time. The second thing, which is the worst, they'll tell you to say a bunch of shit they want you to say, but it may not be what the booker and the promotion need you to say on commentary. So then you talk to the performer, he says one thing, then you go to the booker, he tells you another, and now you're going back and forth because the performer didn't know it. So now you're relaying message between the two talents, and it's a mess. Right. Talk. Get the guidelines. Talk to the booker first. You talk to the booker. Nine times out of ten in indie wrestling, unfortunately, this is the truth, a lot of the bookers will tell you, ah, doesn't really matter. Just, you know, here's some key points. Or some people would just be like, hey, just go out there and do your thing, whatever the case. A lot of times they won't give you guidelines. So you have to make your own. So right. you have to know where your barriers are at all times so you know what lines have to cross. So you talk to, you talk to, the, talk to the booker first. If the booker tells you specifics, stick to the specifics. So when you go to the performer and they go, oh, whatever the booker wants, then you can already tell him because you just spoke to him. You go, well, what the, prom- what the promoter wants me to say is da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then they go, oh, okay, go with that. Can you add this? And you go, yeah, sure, no problem. Write it down right. and you leave. A conversation takes five minutes. You're done. Right. If you go out of order, you're going to get fucked up. You're going to be killing all your time playing telephone with people is going to be a pain in the ass. Talk to the booker first. If the booker gives you no guidelines, he says, ah, do whatever you want. Just just go out there and do your thing, blah, blah, blah. Then you go to the performer and you say, hey, is there anything they want you want me to say on camera or anything you want me to say about your character or your gimmick or whatever? And they go, eh, I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, they start describing, because some people will describe their gimmick like assholes. Well, I'm just, per, I'm a rich, cocky asshole, and I do this, 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 this. The wrestlers love it when you hear what they say, and then you give them a taste of what you're going to say. Right. So they give you, I'm a rich, arrogant ass from Beverly Hills, and I, you know, I look down on poor people or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Just kind of spin that, Right. So you can look back at them and you go, oh, yeah, I can see that, right? Because you got this gimmick and I love the cape and all this, whatever the fuck. And then you go, yeah, so, you know, when you drop him with your move, whatever move it is you discussed, I'm like, oh, no, he dumped him on his head like the rest of these poor bums. Or you give him a taste. So right, they, right, right. So You're they, feeding they, the gimmick. Right, because then they get hyped. So now, that, now they know when they get out there and you're calling the match, you're going to go all out for their shit. So now they're hyped and they start doing more shit. Right. It all feeds itself. That's why you have to talk to these people. 
so that they're aware of how they're being presented right. and it makes them more comfortable. Then in the future, a lot of times, I'm telling you, when I walk into the room for wrestling, for locker rooms now, because I know so many people in this area, I don't even chase people anymore. Most of the time, if I sit at the desk and start writing shit out, people will just start walking up to me. Yo, oh, what's up? What's going on? You calling the show? Yeah, I'm calling it with this guy. Da, da, da. Cool. Hey, listen, tonight when you do this, 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 can you throw into the Yeah, I got you, baby. No problem. All right. That's regular wrestling conversation. But you got to get there first. You have to build that. You, you got to build that. that. Right. Get that. That's res- that right there, what you just explained yeah. is respect. When I walk into the room and Tommy Dreamer sees me, he hugs me. You got to get there. You got to right. get there. That's something that has to, it takes time. And you got to build that with consistency. Every time you see them, even if you've written shit for them before, go back. Because a lot of shit changes over time. That might not be the same gimmick he had before. Or he might have twisted it a little bit. Or maybe he has a new, even something small like, for instance, Joey Janela, right? I mm-hmm. ring announced Joey Janela for fucking years. And every time I ring announced him, he was the Asbury Park playboy, Joey Janela. And then one day, out of the fucking blue, he walks over to me at a show. He goes, hey, AJ, what's going on? I say, hey, what's going on, Joey? He goes, hey, by any chance tonight when you introduce me, can you call me the bad boy, Joey Janela? I was like, all right, that's what it is is what it is. Shit changes. You never know. And now he's on TV every week as the bad boy, Joey Janela. Shit, I was the first ring announcer to call him the bad boy. And and shit happens. You never you never know how this is going to work out. Right. And people can get really intimidated. I you and I grew up watching wrestling, WWE more specifically, right? We have right. our heroes, you know. We have our people that we look up to, right? When I was growing up, I I wished upon a star. I said one day I would love to work with Mick Foley just once. It'd be so cool. And I've gotten a chance to work with Mick on three occasions now. But that first time I ever saw him, I'm not going to lie. There was a piece of me that was just like, oh, my God, he's right fucking there. I could touch him. I could touch him. I wonder if he smells he, as dirty as it yeah, looks. Yeah, he looks gross, but I just I, I can't resist. <laughs> and he happened to be there with his daughter, right? It was a show that we were doing over in Long Island. You know, he lives in Long Island, so not that big of a deal for him. Anyway, and I'm going to be honest with you. I This was very early in my career, so I made the mistake of I'm just going to leave him alone. Right? I'm just going to leave him alone. I'm not going to bother him. I'm just going to do whatever I'm doing. Da, 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 da. Right. And then my boss walks over to me. He goes, listen, we got a big segment coming up in a few matches. This is like the show is going on. And he goes, oh, we got a big segment coming up. Because uh, Mick was supposed to be there for an autograph deal, just an autograph deal. But him and Mick really hit it off, and he got talked into doing a spot with him in the ring, with Sako, and the whole deal. So he was like, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go talk to Mick, uh, see where his head's at, see what he's willing to do, uh, take a few ideas from him, bring that back over here, and I'll have the guy set up. He goes, I don't even give a shit what he wants to do, because he came here to do nothing. So if he wants to do literally anything, it doesn't matter. That's what we're going to do. I just need to know what that is. So I was like, uh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> and I went and I spoke. I had to I had to nut up. Excuse me, Mr. Foley. Like, how, how, how do you approach this? Right. right. And I went and, and he was, you know, having a quick bite, you know, hot dog, whatever the fuck. We're, we're talking. And he goes, oh, okay, sir. 
Why don't you tell him that, uh, you know, he'll go in the ring and start bad-mouthing me or whatever. You guys will hit my music. I'll come out, uh, cut a quick promo. You know, welcome, you know, right here in whatever, Ronkakuma or whatever the fuck we were at in Long Island. The whole WWE stick, right? And then uh, they go, he goes, you know, we'll go back and forth verbally. And then uh, he'll try to take the cheap shot uh, from behind. And then uh, I'll, uh, I'll counter out of it. I'll, I'll, I'll call it in the ring. And then... Uh, He'll take a bump, and then uh, we'll do the whole deal with the sock, and, you know, I'll, we'll do all that. That'll be it. I'm like, okay. Is that, is there, you want him to take a bump, right? And he's like, yeah, 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 straight flat, not, nothing big, nothing crazy. Just trust me, they'll eat it up. Once the sock comes out, they go nuts for that shit. And I'm like, all right, yes, they do. They do go nuts for that shit. They, like, do All right. they do indeed go nuts for that shit. I think I said that exactly to him, too. <laughs> like, I, they do indeed go go pretty bananas for that. You're right about that. And it was like he was like, yeah, yeah. So just let him know. I was like, I right, no problem. Thank you very much. So I told him that was the gist of my whole conversation with McFoley. Never spoke to him again that night, right? Ever. Second time I worked with him, which was a few months later, same exact building. He remembered me. He called me the hot dog guy because we were having hot dogs. Mm. And uh, that was just regular conversation. He didn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with that as far as spots or anything. We did the whole autograph deal. So I worked out the information with him because he had stuff for sale. So we had prices and stuff. So during intermission, I got to, as the ring announcer, I got to inform the fans, you know, hey, WWE Hall of Famer, Mick Foley has blah, 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 blah. And then the third time was the best time because we were at Six Flags. We were doing a show at Six Flags. And uh, it was the first time this Six Flags had ever had a wrestling show there at that particular Six Flags location. And I was supposed to be the ring announcer there. But they had brought in uh, the great Larry Legend at the last minute. They brought him in, and they moved me to the commentary table, which was fine with me. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I got right. to sit next to my boy Brandon and Matt Ryan for a whole night. At uh, I called Six Flags Wrestling with Brandon. I was excited, right? So that was pretty cool. And uh, but my that was my first time meeting Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He was there with Ted DiBiase. They had a whole lot of legends there that day. It was pretty cool. Right. I got to hear the laugh. Out of context, there was no cameras, and he still did it. So I think, oh, so that's not a gimmick. All right, cool. <laughs> that, well, <laughs> that laugh is for real. I can't do a DiBiase laugh, but anyway, no, yeah. So no, no. Uh, that was my first time meeting DiBiase, but I didn't really, like, I shook his hand or whatever. I didn't really talk to him. But Steamboat, I got to meet him for the first time. And I was kind of over the whole shock value thing at that point in my career. So I shook his hand or whatever, and I just, I just blurted out, God damn it, man, I... Oh man, I love your work. <laughs> it's like, like I didn't go full mark, but I was, I was fucking dangerous. I was in the red. I was like dangerously close. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to Steamboat, right? And he, I just told him straight out. I was like, I gotta pick your brain, bro. Like, I, you're here, the dragon. It's right in front of me, bro. I got, I gotta pick your fucking brain. We're talking about stuff, nuances, you know, little things to pick up on. He was one of the first ones to really give me some, uh, some tips on the commentary end. You know, just different things. He gave me the code that I live by today that I'm, I'm going to finish off this piece with. This is what he gave me. And I'm going to pass this information on to other people when I get there in, in, at the end here. And as I'm talking to Steamboat, Foley walks over. Hot dog guy. Oh, <laughs> shit. Not this fat fuck from Long Island. What's going on, buddy? <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, he's just like a hot dog guy. And Ricky had this stupid look on his face. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, 
It's a thing. Every time I go to Ronkonkoma, this fucking guy and I, we eat a fucking hot dog. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. I mean, he's Ronkonkoma buddy, apparently. Like, yeah. we're, we're sharing hot dogs. It's like, yeah. I mean, not eating, like, splitting a hot dog in half type shit. Like, we're buying our own hot I wanted to make clear to Steamboat that me and Foley were not sharing foods, okay, basically. You weren't we, sharing a hot we dog? We had, like, not physically. Yeah, we had to do some explaining. Like some lady in the tram shit? Like some lady in the tram shit, right. Yeah, we're not spaghetti and meatballing each other every time we see each other. <laughs> <Hey>. just, no. <laughs> pause him automatically. But no, he's, I just wanted to clarify that. So here I am standing there with fucking Steamboat and Foley, and we're just fucking chatting. And that's the kind of point you have to get to in your career. I know I'm name-dropping a lot, but I'm illustrating a point. After a while, I know you feel intimidated and you feel nervous. After a while, none of it matters. Right. It's going to sound funny because you grow up being, you know, wishing to be a part of it, and it becomes very intimidating. After a while, it goes away. It, they're people. Right. That's it. They're just People. And that's when you realize you just start to hit a stride. Yes, your your work gets better because right. your work you is, start to be in, you start to be whoever your name is instead of your the commentary guy. Right, right. You start developing your own personality. You start doing trying different things, and it just becomes a much easier process. Once a person gets comfortable in that setting. There's no stopping you, bro. It's just crazy. The first time I ever called Goldust, I shit my pants. I was I was early in my career, and he wanted everything. Former WWE Intercontinental Champion. I mean, he everything, bro. Like he wanted the full introduction, and I'm standing in the ring, and I'm doing the big introduction, and I hit it, Goldust, and that song hit. I was like, yo, this is amazing for me. I was like, this is great. My wife was marking out in the front row because she digs, she, she digs the song as well. Yeah, and I was like, this should be right. In the beginning, I get it, bro. Feel it. Enjoy that because it, it goes away. away. <laughs> and eventually this shit, everything. this shit just becomes another job. And it, that for better or for worse, your, better, your work does get better at that point. But you lose the mysticism. That's why sometimes when I go to events, I don't feel – it doesn't feel the same anymore. Right. I was just at WrestleMania. You know, that's the show of shows, WrestleMania. It doesn't feel the same, unfortunately. Right. You still right. get hyped. Like my favorite part of wrestling shows now basically entrances. I, don't, I, I watch the matches, but I, I don't feel the same. Right. But back to the commentary thing, that's why I was a big point you got to talk to these people. you got to get over that hesitation. So just to wrap this up real quick as far as the tips go, this is important. Learn all the social media information. Yeah. Write it down. Write it down. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, a full-on website, a .com. If they got a SoundCloud, I don't give a fuck what it is. Include it. Everything. You don't work for the talent. You work for the company. The company is what pays your salary. You want to get booked, impress your bookers and promoters, talk about the company as right. often as you fucking can. A match happens that's great, a spot that's great, tell them you can only see this action live when we hit your town. Get tickets by going to blah, 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 blah. Right. Learn all of that shit. Here's 
a big tip with the social media and the website. This is going to save your life, okay? This is this will impress any promoter and booker, I promise. Here are the key points. List that social media. Give these people that information during uh, holds. That's preferred. I don't want to say rest holds, but you know what I mean. Chin lock, head lock. When the action dies down, hit them with the hit them with the social. Hit them with the ticket stuff. Three times minimum in the opening match if it's feasible. Unless they have a really hot opener that's short, then save it. Call the action as you normally would. Hit him with it in the second match. Second time, just before intermission. Whatever that last match is before the intermission, hit him with it. That way, during the intermission, they are aware of what they should be looking for. Right. They Right before intermission, they see a hot match. They go, oh, I should probably check that out. Semi-main event is the third time. Do not plug during the main event. That is the main event. That's what they paid money to see. Don't talk about anything else. Work should be done at that point. Let them finish the show. Because right when you get toward the end of that semi-main event, you once again hit them with the information, but you transition that to the main. So you have your big semi-main event. They're rocking. They're cooking. It's good. Ladies and gentlemen, as crazy as this action is, we're not done. We still have a main event left to go in this night in this or, in, or on this show. And if you want to catch action like this, blah, 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 blah. Three times minimum. If you want to go nuts and do it more than that, that's up to you. Your, your own personal choice. But I picked those three times because they're such crucial times. Right when you first start talking to them, right before they go on a break and literally go on their phones, and right before the biggest match of the night. Bam. You follow that. You're going to be fine, okay? After you speak to the bookers, after you speak to performers, after you get everyone's name and you learn the names of all the moves, I don't care if it's normally a drop toe hold. If this guy has a name for it, call it by that name. That's it. doesn't right. matter what your personal taste is. You don't matter here. You're right. getting that talent over, period. Once you get all that stuff together, put that on your notepad. I have it written here. Get a format together. That is important. You are the voice of the show. You and your partner are the voice of the show. Some people do it alone. Some people are on three-man teams. Whatever your case is, you're the voice of the show. The people who are right. watching the product only know as much as you will tell them. So if you leave shit out, they won't know it. They're not going to Google it. They don't give a fuck. you got to catch them in the moment. Otherwise, right. they're lost. If you don't make that impression on them, you've lost them. They're not buying your show again <clears> after that. So to end it here, this is a, I wrote this shit in caps because this is the most fucking important part of commentary. This is important. Keep this in mind. Don't let them fucking surprise you. A lot of promoters and bookers are marks, and they try to surprise people with appearances or run-ins or whatever the fucking case may be. You are the voice of the program. If you don't know what the fuck is happening, neither will fucking they. Right. They have to trust because a lot of them, sometimes they'll tell you, well, we want your reaction to be genuine. Bitch, I am a professional. All of my reactions are fucking fucking genuine. Now, what the fuck are you talking about? No, see, what they don't understand is genuine is more consistency than anything else. If you get... uh, what they deem as a surprise, it comes off as you don't know what the fuck is going on. Right. 
There you go. Right on the money. That's exactly the explanation. If a promotion brings in a talent who was a surprise, but they're planning on using him in a big way, but they're not exactly the most popular person on the planet, meaning not a whole lot of people know who he is, what is a better call if a guy jumps over the rail, goes into the ring, and goes, oh, my God, who is this? Who is this guy? What's happening? What's this? Get security in here. That's a pretty basic call people have heard before, right? Sounds good. Sounds good. You can cover that up. But had the promoter fucking told you that, hey, that's Jacob Fatu, the MLW no way, World no way. Heavyweight that, Champion. That blah, blah, blah. What is he doing here? Right. Uh, you know what I mean? So like that something. first call I just gave you, generic, basic, you can get by. But if they tell you ahead of time and you go, what the hell? Who is this guy jumping over? The- oh, my God. That's Jacob Fatu, the MLW World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, Court Bauer that can't, sounds better. Court Bauer can't be happy that he's here. We're live on right. fight. Exactly. That's the yeah, fucking that, point. That was that's perf- way fucking clean. better. Because the first one, when you hear the first one, you're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And, then and you, you hear that. And you, you like, hear the where's and you hear the where's security? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Now you sound like you got a personal vendetta. But right. if the other guy, if you know ahead of time, and Ooh, you provide the same bad. amount, <laughs> the my same bad. amount of energy. It just sounds better. And now the crowd's hyped because right. now the crowd's invested. Now they know who he is. Right. They know why he's special. It would be like two indie feds. I've had this happen to me before where they didn't tell me about a surprise. But I saw the guy and I knew the guy. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, bro, what's going on? And, you know, sometimes wrestlers show up, you know, and try to schmooze with the promoters or whatever, try to get a few bookings. You never know, right? So I'm like, hey, hey, uh, what's going on? Any, any success tonight? You know, there's a wink, wink. And he goes, yeah, no, I got I to run in tonight. Run in? What the fuck do you mean? And they, he told me, he goes, oh, I'm doing this, this, this. I'm like, well, goddamn, bro. Like, I'm supposed to be calling this shit. Nobody told me nothing. Right. And he was like, oh, they probably just wanted to make it a surprise. I'm like, bro, but. You know, all due respect, bro. This is, me, bro. I told him, I said, with all due respect, bro, this is your first night here. They don't know you. Like, like no disrespect. Like, I'm not trying to say you're a nobody, but, you know, here, you've never been here. Right. So now that I know that you're fucking coming, I can just be like, yeah, that's this person and this so-and-so, and, and this is what he's done, and this is, I can't believe he's here. You know, he's just like, this is amazing. Right, it's an easy way. It's an easy way. Also, the what you just said just kind of sparked that in my head. It's an easy way to get from the where do I know this guy? Right, the fame that sees him jump yeah. in. Like, where do I know this guy? And then instead of him going through that process while things are going on, the announcer is guiding you through that process, and you can focus more on what's going on. Like. The, the 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 announcer is like basically answering your own question in your head and you're more focused on what's going on in the ring because a bad announcer, one that sounds confused, can completely detach you to of, yeah, of what's going on. If he's confused, you're confused. Exactly. And, and you and may not even understand that that's happening, but it does. I got the don't let him surprise you thing from Matt Stryker, who right. used to be the commentator for WWE and Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. He enforced that on me with the whole don't let him surprise you thing. Because, and this is his own words, he goes, the minute you tell these people that that badass who just came in and cleared house, and you give them a name, the first thing they're going to do is YouTube that motherfucker. Right. And when they YouTube that motherfucker and see how great he is, they're coming back. Right. Because they're like, oh, I can't wait to see what he does with these motherfuckers in here. 
Right. And that's all. It's all about promotion. You want to give names. You want to give times. That's another thing Matt Stryker gave me. No pronouns. That's a hard habit to break. But I'm going to give it to you guys ahead of time so you guys can start now. Pronouns is bad. I don't care how many times you have to say the fucker's name. Say it every goddamn time. Do not... Don't do hims and hers and he's. It's hard. It's vague, and the action moves too fast. Right. It's like in regular conversation. If you've been listening to someone drone on for a certain amount of time, you forget who he's and hers were. Right. You got to ask it. Wait, who? Say that again. Who did what? And you can't do that on commentary because they can't ask you. They just listened to you. So you lose your audience. Hammerstein. Hammerstone off the top. Aries moves. Hammerstone hits the rail. Oh, Hammerstone's got to be hurt. That throat has got to be. Uh, Aries has been working on that all night. If I threw a he in there, you'd be fucking now, lost. Now that you say that like that, it's like triggering listening to other That's announcers. Right. With the good announcers, you hear it all the time. How many, how, how many times did Jim Ross say Austin? Austin on the offense. Never letting me up. No surcease. Here comes Rock. And you hear the action. and you, People ignore it. When you listen to wrestling, you... It's default. You, know, you don't pay the, attention to it. The crazy thing now that you're saying that it's like it's probably the from watching the good ones for so long, it's in your head. The moment you hear something different, like he, she's, hers, him's, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, it'll stand out like a sore thumb. It, it throws you instantly. It throws you. It throws you. And it's not, I didn't notice it either. I was already doing commentary when Stryker hit me with that. Because it happened during the match. We're calling something. I forgot what match it was. I think it was Ortiz and Santana, now that I think about it. We were saying it was a three-man booth. It was Stryker, me, and it was Brandon. And I did it. I said he or him or something. And then Stryker on the the air, he goes, who's he? (laughs) And I caught it when he said it, and I specified. And for the rest of that match, I tried not to do that. And when we were at intermission... He told me that. He goes, I didn't mean to step on you, bro, but I just that was a learning experience for you, bro. I just needed you to be aware that if you lose track of who you're talking about, they're going to lose track. If right. you, they lose track, you've blown the whole fucking thing. They, right. don't, they don't know what the fuck's going on. The hard part about all this that you're saying with the, the they and being conscious of they and stuff like that, this is a one-sided. You have to control how you come off to people. You can't feel their reactions. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking to people in the future. Yeah. You're getting no feedback from what you're saying. So so that's another thing that's like Uh, you have to that's why you have to follow the template. Yes. Because exactly and veer off the template, that's fine, but you know that you're being consistent and then that's what makes you at least minimum a good commentary because you can't you can't fix yourself on the fly. You gotta do the whole show. Yeah. And the bad way that you're doing it to learn from it, which could cost you bookings. Yeah, that's why I'm glad so many people that were helping me along the way were so brutally honest about the things that I was doing. Right. Like Matt, Matt could have just let me go and then turned, you know, turned to me during intermission. He's like, hey, let me give you a few tips, you know, whatever. He could have did that, but he did it in the moment. Right. And doing it in the moment scared the shit out of me. And that fear lives in my heart to this day. Right. When I call batches on, on fight live, we're live on the air, I make it a habit. 
I have it in big capital letters on my notepad. No pronouns. Right. It fucked me up <laughs> to this day. Like my partner, my fellow, he 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 noticed it. He was just like, "What the fuck is?" I was like, "Dog, bro, bro, don't tell me what the fuck. Look at that pad. What does it say? No pronouns. You better not say no fucking pronouns tonight. <laughs> we, we fight. That's it." No, but Mike's good. Mike Mike Falvo, who's going to be my partner on May 22nd, uh, that's one of the concerns that I had about, you know, I'm very picky about my partners because I, I, I have a particular style. And I'm, my style is I'm pretty rapid. I keep it moving. I don't like dead air, and I don't like soft energy. Right. We're not going to be yelling the whole match, but we have to talk. I don't like dead air. It bothers me. Uh, we need to give audience, to, in my opinion, we have to give the audience a feel like it's a, when you listen to boxing, for instance, they're, they're talking about the fight, they're asking questions, they're, they're giving you entertainment, but they're also giving you analysis, they're giving you facts. Boxing announcers throw a lot at you. MMA does it now too. When you listen to a, a UFC fight, they're doing the same thing. Oh, he just hit him there. What does that do to you when it just gets into your gut like that? Oh, I tell you, it's in the fighter's head. You keep talking. I don't like right. listening. If I'm listening to commentary and I hear the bumps, I, you're not. You're not. You're not doing a very good job. You're leaving right. it up to me to figure it out, and that's not. That's not what you're there for. You got to keep talking. That's why I love a great color guy, and Mike uh, is able to do both. And he feeds well, and I, I will be a big-ass bump, and I'll look at him and just be like, I'll tell you what, I want nothing to do with that. And Mike's like, hell no, I, I wouldn't take that for all the gold in Fort Knox. And they were back to the action. You keep this fucking thing going. And I know that it's hard. Trust me. I have done commentary for five-hour shows. I know it's hard to keep your energy up, but I hear a lot of people lose their shit match one, and they're dead for match seven and eight. You got to swap that, baby. Start high on that first match. Bring it down incrementally. Match two, match three. Once you start getting toward the intermission, bring it back up so you end on high energy. When they come back from intermission, spark that energy up again. Get back into a flow. Bring it down a little. And lose your fucking mind in the main event. And then that's it. That's your job. That's it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. If if you wrestle, if you're watching a guy wrestle for the first time, be honest. I've heard a lot about this guy, a lot of potential. Can't wait to see what he brings to the table. That way, when he does something that's shocking, you're shocked. Oh fuck, that was amazing. Mm. If you've worked with a guy in the ring before, called a bunch of matches, tell him about it, prove it. Oh, I worked with this guy, Bumblefuck Virginia, back in two years ago. This guy's a fucking animal. Da, da, da. He got, well, don't say fucking. That goes against the rule. I'm just giving you an example. Right, prove it. Oh, because now you're giving them, you're giving the audience not only a backstory on the wrestler, but you're you're giving them eyewitness testimony. I've seen this fucking guy go nuts. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's an animal. He's a, he's wild and untamed. He's a, he's a, he's crazy. Get the when he starts getting wild around the ringside area, the fans gotta back up. I've seen it. They, he'll fuck up fans. It's crazy. You gotta you gotta paint these pictures. Oh, my favorite one here, Dave. Dave you've heard this. Whenever there's a fuck-up, this is the last thing I'm going to talk about, fuck-ups. You can be the Bob Ross of fuck-ups. Trust me on this. I've done this. I consider myself 
a bit of a Picasso when it comes to fuck-ups. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a wrestler will fuck up in the ring and it's completely accidental. It's a botch. It's fucked up. It's how do the military call it? Fubar. Right? It's fucked up beyond repair. Nothing we can do. But, to be fair, there's a lot of fuck-ups sometimes, believe it or not, that happen completely on purpose. The wrestler made a mistake. He took his eye off the ball. You've heard all the cliches, right? So, here's a trick. Michael Cole, believe it or not, was my inspiration for this. Because it's the stupidest catchphrase I've ever heard. But, God damn it, does it work? It works. This is the one Michael Cole thing that I like, and it works. Don't do it all the time, but if you got to pull a, hat, a rabbit out of the hat, I mean, this 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 move was fucked up. Then you got to go with either modified or variation. Got to go with those, okay? This guy didn't get the whole right. Oh, that was a modified version of the pump handle slam. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, what was that? It's a different variation of the figure four. No, he fucked up. We just can't tell you he fucked up. That's all it was. Oh, uh, he went for whatever move. Oh, just bad timing on that one. That looks like watch his face did his homework. He saw that one coming a mile away. Cover it up. The only thing you can't do is tell the audience he fucked up. Unless he's supposed to fuck up. If he took his eye off the ball, so to speak. Oh, like uh, he throws him into the corner, sets up, eyes the audience, eyes the bad guy, uh, the good guy, runs into the corner, baby faces move, and he eats the corner. Boom, that's a fuck up. But it was an intentional fuck up. So you call that a fuck up. But if the dude, baby, he throws the baby face into the corner, he sets up, looks at the audience, looks at the guy, runs to the corner, and slips and busts his ass in the way to the corner and ends up being some weird looking headbutt or whatever the fuck. They go, oh, modified version of a Samoan headbutt. Took that one from the old from the old uh, Peter Maivia days. Just make some shit up. <laughs> you got to fucking cover it. That's your fucking job. We're all on the same team. Make your boys look good. That's it. That's it. Commentary for dummies. That's basic starter shit. From there, you take those tools, you make your career. That's it. That, that, that That's a collection of lifetime shit that I've learned throughout the years. And that's uh, you can see me put all that to practice. On May 22nd, live on Fight TV from the comfort of your own home, you can subscribe and listen to me do all that jazz with uh, Mike Falvo. Mike Falvo has actual sports. He started in sports. Right. He's a, uh, he was a sports broadcaster for several sports and uh, got into pro wrestling due to mutual, no, not uh, a few friends that brought him in. And uh, he's awesome. He's a lot of fun to call these matches with. So I'm looking forward to that. But. Those are my tidbits, so I hope you guys who asked me to go over all that wrote all your shit down because I'm not doing that shit again. That's it. It's on audio now. Clip it, record it, and play it on your car radio on the way to the fucking venue so that you can get some last-minute tips from the man himself on uh, how to get yourself together. So that's it. Commentary for that. I got so into having that conversation, I'm ready to call some matches right now. There you go. I do that from time to time. I don't know if you guys know. I'll sit and I'll, I'm in the tub. I got my phone on and I'll turn. The, I'll literally turn the fucking volume off and just start calling shit. Because I feel like I'm a better commentator than the people I'm fucking listening to. That's a shame. Uh, well, maybe not. I'm just that good. I guess I don't know. Anyway, we have two weeks here. Uh, I have the GSW show on the 22nd. I have the Upper Limit Wrestling show on the 23rd. On the 23rd. I'm going to be with the guys 
So I'm thinking maybe that's a good time to get that interview in finally. <laughs> I got to be fucking sitting right there. So might as well. We're going to be in New Jersey on the 23rd. Probably knock that out. And uh, I don't know when I'm going to air it, but I, I think I'm just going to fucking go ahead and just record it while I'm sitting there. And then we'll use that whenever we get a chance to use it. But next week, I wanted to pitch an idea to you, my friend. Mm. Uh, pitch an idea because this will involve you watching uh, more old school wrestling. If you're interested here, I would like to finally sit down and have the discussion about big men, the big man in wrestling. I want to have the big man conversation. uh, And I had to, uh, I was requested. I don't know if you remember this. Our boy, Paul Green, wanted in on that conversation. Remember when Kane was coming up for the Hall of Fame we're like, God damn, he might be the best big man of all time. Mm-hmm. We should break that down. I'd like to have a conversation about that. Because as okay. great as Kane is, he's got some competition. Okay, well, what did you want me to – who else – what did you want me to watch? Well, I was going to throw you, I was gonna throw you uh, uh, some names. Okay. I'm going to throw you a list. You can take your time going through the list between now and Thursday. I'm going to send you that list tomorrow because I'm – I'm going to bed when this is over. <laughs> I hear that. But tomorrow, I'm going to send you a list. I'm going to throw you a bunch of shit. Take a look at it. If you find something else in related videos you want to take a look at, as far as discussing big men, we're doing the, the big men of pro wrestling next week. Okay. And I'm going to bring my boy Paul Green on here. We're going to do ourselves a little three-way conversation. Oh. And uh, we're going to talk about some big men here. Big, big boys. The big boys. This is what we're going to be t- breaking down. Uh, I have to figure out what the criteria is going to be for that. Now that I think about it, it's coming to my mind now. It's like, what, what, what consists of a big man? How big are we talking? Where's the cutoff here? I got to, right. I got to figure that out. But yeah, I want to have that conversation for sure. The Andre, the Giants, the Takers, the Canes, the Great Collies. We're so we have to do the whole meter from bad to good. <laughs> right, Go up right, and down the giant Gonzaleses of the world. Oh, yeah, this is going to be fucking awesome. Isaac Yankum. Let's bring them all to the table, baby. All of them. All of them. All of them. So you get some rest, big guy. We'll try. Enjoy your time. And uh, I will see you again or listen to you again next week. We're getting closer and closer to finally doing one together. We've been doing oh, this. it's going to happen. I we've get been my, doing this remotely for forever. I get my shot on the 19th, and then 19th. after I recover from that, it's whenever I'm available, all dude, right. I'm coming. I think I'm getting – I'm going to look at this calendar again. Yeah, it's definitely coming up this week. I just got to figure out which day it is. Get my first shot in, and then I got to – what is it, like a two-week wait? It's a month. A month? Yeah. I believe so. So I better jump I on so. it then. I better jump on it then. Which one did you get, Pfizer or Moderna? It doesn't matter. Moderna. Moderna. All right, there you go. All That's right. That's the one she got, so it's the one I got. That's the one I got. Right. <clears throat> so there you are, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Of course, thank you guys for enjoying episode 189 y'all 100 episodes now pay him and make sure that you buy my husband's t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash a-j-o-u-n please he needs this listen to my daddy show he's the best so i don't know